Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on a Monday on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. After a busy sports weekend, Brooke Grimsley is here, Super Bowl champ and uh, Friday night champ, Kerry Davis yeah. is here. Let go. Finally. I'm here. Matthew Rocchio is here. Uh, CD and his Hazelwood Central Hawks. Yeah. Well done. Got to win. Got a victory. I was telling you all, the offensive coordinator, he finally showed up to the game. And I have been on him daily, looking at him in the mirror, talking bad to him every single day about his performance. Uh, the offensive coordinator is obviously me. And we got to figure some things out. So there you go. Awesome job. Great. Congratulations to the Hazelwood Central Hawks. Chris Kerber is going to join us later in the show. We're also going to talk to Bradley Carnell and the St. Louis City SC side moving one step closer to clinching the Western Conference title in MLS in their inaugural season. A 2-1 over Minnesota United FC on Saturday night in Minnesota. Congratulations to SC rock and rolling. City SC, that, that was, to me, a really good game. I know that Minnesota is... Oh, yes, yeah. excuse me. Um, a very good match. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, I think, important to see, to be able to come away with three points. We have been talking about the draws that they have gotten recently, which is fine. It's kept them at the top of the Western Conference. But still, coming away with this victory, I think, says a lot. The fact they were able to claw their way back in this one, Zhao Klaus, I mean, he looked fantastic. That thunderous header that he had and then Blom what he was able to do offensively and defensively I think was also a huge difference maker and then you had your usual guys like Roman Berkey looked fantastic but to me a great overall game for City SC what you really wanted to see here towards the end Bradley Carnell is the head coach of SC what were his thoughts on the victory we believed uh, from day one in this roster we believed in the system from day one and uh, we were happy with the results and performances. We think about the Toronto stretch or we think about the San Jose um, away game, you know, when we use rotated lineups and uh, we're equally rewarded. So, but the way we gave, you know, what was missing in the first half for me were a little bit of our principles um, on the front foot, forward defending, counter pressing, winning the ball up high. Um, and, and again, I just thought, uh, you know, games here at this stadium tend to get a little bit wild uh, in the second half towards the end of the games. Um, bringing on, you know, Klaus, AZ, Edu Leuven, just changed the complexion of our game just a little bit. Um, Anthony Mokana came in and, and did an excellent forward defending job um, on, on Bongi Kongolani. He was a danger all day. And then uh, when we brought Anthony on, he was done. So it was really, really good for my boys. Um, just proud to be in the company of an LAFC with 16 
wins in the regular season. Uh, we've got three more games, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, we want to continue to create history and make this club proud. You get three more matches, Coach. Um, <laughs> you should have just like jumped into the Zoom and corrected him. If he says games, are we allowed to say games? I think games? we have to. I think we are. Uh, I think we do. I think we're good. Klaus with a goal and Blom with his first professional goal. Congratulations to City on that victory. And when he was talking about rotating starters, they rotated eight starters in that match. Mm-hmm. You see what Thank I did you. there? Well uh, excuse us, Coach. It's match. Um, but if he says game, I think I should be allowed to say game, you too. Are totally allowed. And what he was saying there, too with Leuven and Jackson, the way that they were able to retrieve the ball, if you look specifically at that Blom goal, the way that they were able to retrieve it and set him up for that, it, it just shows you how even rotating those starters in and out of the, of the match, that they were able to make things work here. And I was wondering if you would just go with the same starting 11 and build maybe some consistency here down the stretch, but the fact that they were able to do that I think also says a lot about this group and Carnell with what he has going on. And taking a cursory look at the table, City SC with 53 points at the moment. LAFC with the game in hand has 43, so they're 8 behind. Seattle also is 8 behind and Seattle has a game in hand, and that's going to be the big one for City. Can they knock off Seattle? And if they do, then they clinch the Western Conference. So, uh, let's go, SC. Yes. Nice. It was a great weekend for Missouri as well. They held off Memphis 34-27 Saturday night at the Dome and announced 45,000 and 44,000 of those, according to Missouri, were Mizzou fans. So that's a good thing. Good night for Brady Cook, who came in questionable. He was 18 of 25 for 341 and a couple of scores. And Luther Burden with another great performance. Ten catches, 177 yards, and... He has now way eclipsed his freshman total in his sophomore year in only three games. He looked really good. That, that offense looked really good. They ran the ball well uh, when they needed to. They they ran the ball right at Memphis. And we were talking about, we were texting mm-hmm. during the game about that breaking point. And you could see Memphis really ready to break because of the, the way that they were running the ball. Brady Cook looked really good. They had mm-hmm. some uh, some plays there. I, I, I thought that defensively they may have given up a few big pass plays that I, I didn't think. I think those are things that they need to correct. But all in all, offensively, they looked really good, finding guys wide open, creative, very creative in what they were doing in their game plan and how they schemed up their offense against Memphis. And Mizzou gives them the ball at the 10-yard line, at their own 10-yard line after the fumble by Schrader early on. And then another touchdown scored by Memphis on the heels of Mizzou trying to go for it, throwing the ball on fourth and a half a yard. And that's one of those games, especially with where the game was at that point. Mizzou... You know, we, we can say bad play calling, but it just didn't work. But that was a point where you let your big guys beat their big yeah. guys because you were in that position. And then the other one was a garbage time touchdown for Memphis. It was yeah. really overall a pretty good defensive performance for Mizzou. It really was. And CD, with what you were saying, too, about offensively, I thought that they looked a lot more sound. I think that there was some concern after those first two games. And I was one of the ones to point it out mm-hmm. where I wanted to see some more aggressive play calling. And from Kirby Moore and Eli Drinkwitz, because I know he's obviously still involved with this. You were able to see that. And especially, I thought, that one moment with Cook. Did you guys see that with, they call him Speedy Johnson, too, that 76-yard touchdown pass? (laughs) I mean, when you have, like, explosive plays like that, that was the game plan that you needed to execute going in, and they were able to do that. There was concerns about if Brady Cook would be able to do things like that this season. And I think that so far they've answered some of those questions. Now, you're perfect going into Vandy, which I think we all know. I can say it. I'm from that area. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be a tough matchup. It should not be. (laughs) Mizzou, by the way, was 
actually down 10 to 7 early in the second quarter when Nathaniel Pete was able to score a touchdown. And before the half was over, it was the quarterback, Brady Cook, to Luther Burden to set things up. And Mizzou was able to score there, make it 14 to 10. They win it 34 to 27. And in the latest rankings, Mizzou is right there. They make the top 25 this week. Congratulations to the Tigers there. Uh, as Colorado actually drops out, Mizzou is number 23 in the country. Good for them. Wow. MIZ. We talked about it. Rock talked about it. He's, as he's pointing at me right now, <laughs> about how he felt like that if they won convincingly in, in this game, that they would be in the top 25. And they are. Hmm? Good for them. One spot ahead of KU. So. Mizzou ahead of uh, Mizzou on top of KU. Uh, there was a, a disturbing song that was played, and they had some vulgar chant for KU. KU yeah. wasn't even there. I know, <laughs> I know. That, that, that's kind of weird to me. I agree. Like, yeah, the song, I guess they, I guess that's a normal thing. They mm-hmm. sing, they chant that when they play that song. The, yeah. KU, KU wasn't even there. I you all hate KU. You Mr. Brightside been, is an American classic. Don't just w- watch it. Today. I, I, it's an I, American I didn't say classic. anything about the song. I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking about the people that were mm-hmm. chanting huh? what they were what? chanting. Yeah. There was a Kroenke chant at one point too. That's right? fine. That's yeah. what's fine. We yeah. all, we all yeah. are in agreement there. Yeah. But the yeah. KU slander. Well, KU wasn't even playing. And we're playing football, and if KU's playing football, that really shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, what are we doing? I mean, do, 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 do Yankee <laughs> Sam... like some drama. Yeah, it, all due respect. Like do, 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 do Yankee fans chant... Blank the Royals. <laughs> Never. You know? and people are like, Never. what's going on here? The Royals <laughs> might treat champ blank the Yankees, yeah, but right. a little different. Uh, a little different. I, I think know. they call that living rent-free in your insomnia. Maybe so. just a little bit. Yep. 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 Yes. And congratulations to the Fighting Illini. They'd be Florida Atlantic 2317. Um, yeah. ILL. Yeah. I and I. And Oregon stomps Colorado 42 to 6. Here's the thing. If you're going to make everything personal, don't have your players stomp on the opposing team's logo as they walk into the stadium. Yeah, um, you shouldn't do that. Uh, You can do a lot of things. For me, everything starts with respect, and if you are disrespectful... Then whatever happens to you after yeah. that is your is on, is on you. Right. I don't really care after yeah. that. If you're the greatest yeah. show on turf, and the greatest show on turf was fun because they would get all 45 guys jumping up and down on the, but they knew they were going to beat the hell yeah. out of the other team. <laughs> no, so that didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, when you're really good and you know you have that that in your, you know. Mm-hmm. If with you, you can do that. Warren Sapp used to kick over the pylon, which I thought was ridiculous, but he did it just because. Like, whatever. I'm going to, I'm the best D tackle in the league. What are you going to do? Yeah, who's going to stop him? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is who in the world is going to stop him or say anything? Right. And uh, the Cardinals' weekend was, uh, let's see, they. Yeah. Yeah. Padres beat him four to two. Cardinals beat them five to two. And then uh, Cardinals lost yesterday by a score of 12 to two. But. My God. Home run Baker. Oh. In the air left center again. This one well hit. That ball is gone. A mammoth homer for Luke and Baker. <laughs> His second as a big leaguer. That spoils the shutout. And the Cardinals have runs one and two. Well, and the Cardinals threatened late. They were uh, they were five uh-huh. five bloops and a blast away from tying the game in the ninth <laughs> yeah, inning. Well, that seems like a, a not, lot. Not quite. <laughs> and they lost 12 to 2. But today's a day off. So. Okay. Good, good thing. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, do we have we seven games left? Six games left? Six games left. Yeah. Yeah, three in Milwaukee and then three in Cincinnati here to nah. close things out. That's, uh, it's, I mean, it, whew, thank you. 
Yeah. <laughs> at this point, is it just like asking for mercy? Is that right. is that what we're basically saying and, at this point? Yeah, and this isn't their team. I mean, you look at yesterday's lineup. I mean, uh, you can't judge anybody or anything based upon the last month. But yesterday, you've got Mike Ciani playing after uh, Newt left the game. You've got Jose Fermin playing. You've got Juan Yepes playing. You've got uh, Richie Palacios. All due respect, I mean, he's basically Willie Mays, but still, you didn't expect him to be in the lineup. And then Luke and Baker, uh, Yvonne Herrera, Irving Lopez. Nice to meet you. Uh, so <laughs> First uh, time hearing of you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Are, are we doing like that? Remember well, we played that for, game? Uh, yeah. Remember we played Rare that name, name, the Ray? Yes, that Rare, one. Rare, Rare. Is this what we're turning into with the Cardinals right now? Did anyone here know who the ghost runner on second base was on Saturday night? Quenzacuto? I heard that name and I was like, it's Quercudo. Quercudo. I heard that name and I was like, that's 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 one for the game. He almost made he almost made the club out of spring training. Yeah. And with the way that where the Cardinals are at right now, it's like you were saying, it's just it is what it is at this point. So they are sixty eight and eighty eight right now. They would have to go five and one over their final six games, right, to avoid their first 90-loss season since 1990. And, Randy, what happened at 1990? Fired the manager. Oh. Fired the manager. Yeah, got a a new manager. Did they? Uh, Turned things over pretty dramatically. Yeah, they uh, let a bunch of veterans go and brought in young players. Uh, By the way, Zach Gallon is 17 and 8 now. Hmm. Uh, he, he used he's to be in the pretty good, season. huh? Yeah, he is. He he and Alcantara both went in the Ozuna trade. He um he was he was close. He's close to being Cy Young, right? I top, think he has top, a really good chance. Yeah, he'll be he'll be top three. So you'll be you'll be frustrated if you have two players to formerly be Cardinals that win Cy Young awards. Yeah, I would yeah. say that. And, yeah. and the one thing that you've lacked all season is pitching. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. and you still lack going into this off season because Definitely. guess what? If there's if there's anything I'm learning more and more here is that there's also not much available that you could even possibly call up or look towards at certain depth positions. Yes. And one I thing just, we, we know, yeah. we, we know the Cardinals can develop young players, right? Well, they can identify young players. The problem is, can they identify them for themselves? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, that you hit the nail on the head, the development part. I think you can you can figure out who can play. You just watch the guy that stands out in comparison to everyone else now when they get on your roster and they get in your clubhouse and they get on your team, can you continue to grow and, and have them grow in their game and not just be really talented versus everyone else, but you have to be able to show them, help them, guide them in the way that allows them to have success at the major league level. And look, and to the Cardinals' credit, I guess, I could you partly put this Jordan Hicks, his success that we've seen with the Blue Jays here recently, especially if you look at his September numbers, I don't think he's given up a run in September no. yet. Um, you could <laughs> maybe credit you know, the Cardinals for that, for developing, because he was turning around the season yes. before he was traded. Um, but then you look at Jack Flaherty, how those things have fallen apart. But then when you see the players that you mentioned that have, you know, that were potentially a part of this organization that have, were moved on from, I think those are the ones that bite you the most, especially when you're in this position now where you really, really, really need pitching. You're going to go, you have to go out and get some, but then you also don't have maybe possibly the the best ones available right now in the organization just to help depth wise. And the fact that guys can just go to Toronto and Toronto snaps their finger and automatically the guys are better does get a little bit frustrating. That is uh, the start of the program here on 101 ESPN. Don't forget we're on the YouTube. If you just go to YouTube.com, type in 101 ESPN STL.
well. You can watch us on the YouTube. Of course, you can always hear us on the 101 ESPN app or on your radio. Coming up, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Terry, Randy, and what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, would you like to take it away? Number two. My favorite thing this weekend, or my second favorite thing, I guess I should say, is the Blues and Brews event on Friday Randy, I know that you went out there, too, and it was a lot of fun. CD, obviously, you were busy with football or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, but you were there with us in spirit. It was it was a lot of fun um, just going out there. I'm so excited for hockey season, and I've been saying that just because the way that the Cardinals have been going this season, I need something else to look forward to. Thankfully, we have City SC in the way that they're playing right now, but I love hockey season around this time of year, just getting prepped for it. So seeing some of the players come out, like Robert Thomas, Colton Pareko, Um, I'm trying to remember who some of the other ones that were out there, but it was just a great event over at the brewery. And I love that moment because you remember Bobby Plager, he had this tradition that he started a few years ago where he would give the newest member of the Blues organization their jersey. Mm -hmm. And so Bernie Federko carried on that tradition, too, on Friday, where he gave Kevin Hayes his jersey in front of the whole crowd. Mm -hmm. It was a great moment. So uh, just a lot of fun and getting amped up for the hockey season. It was it was a lot of fun. Great shrimp. (laughs) <laughs> okay, CD, he literally, they had food for us. Okay. And there was, there was meatballs. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, chicken skewers. Randy just got a full plate of shrimp. Man knows what he wants. Just, it was, that was it. Nothing else. No cookie, like nothing. Just a full plate of shrimp is what shrimp. he got. Yes. That's it. I've never been so proud to work with you. God, you're a champion. Randy is. Randy is I didn't know if there was going to be any he shrimp knows, left. Yeah, he ate all of it. I mean, there was, it was a big old plate of shrimp. It, was, it wasn't was just a there. few pieces. Had I been there, I would have been right with you. Uh, I would have been right there with a full plate of shrimp, too. I admire you. <laughs> My <The> offensive <laughs> foot. Ball. 726 yards of offense, 376 yards passing, 350 yards rushing. They were scoring touchdowns left and right, and it was amazing. 10 total, or do you want from an offense than what you saw? And this is a Broncos defense last year that was number one in points allowed and number one in overall defense. They were really good. Somehow, they have taken a step back. Which offensively, I don't I didn't think that that was possible. Defensively, it is it has happened. And it's just I think you tip your cap to what Mike McDaniel and that Miami Mm -hmm. offense. He is he's kind of quirky. He's a little strange. He's a little different, but (laughs) he he is. is an offensive genius and figures out a way to get the ball in his playmakers hands. And he got fast guys that can run and they make big plays. I yeah, awesome. That it's was impressive. so exciting to see. And to me, I know that some people are like, oh, you know, it's likely that Tua is the MVP front runner. To me, he is the yeah. MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what he's doing right now, fantastic for my fantasy team, by the way. He, luckily, he's yeah. my quarterback. We bounced back from the Aaron Rodgers issue there. Um, but that was a really just exciting team to watch. And the Broncos are just bad, guys. They are. It's just really bad. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Is it? Yeah, well. (laughs) Uh, Guys, as you know, there's this website called Charity Navigator, and 
every single year. I mean, every year. St. Louis is one of the top three most philanthropic communities in America. And uh, this weekend, we had Pedal the Cause, which aims to eradicate cancer, especially pediatric cancer. Thousands of people ride through Chesterfield, and there are multiple rides. You've got an 11-mile ride, a 28-mile ride, a 50 and a 100 And I didn't ride this weekend, but I had the chance to volunteer with the Edward Jones team. And it's just so cool to see so many people in our community that are getting out to do great things to help other people. And it was fun to be a part of it and fun to see so many people riding and volunteering. And when, and that's not if, when we eradicate cancer, St. Louis is going to be a big part of it because of events like this. It was really cool to, to be involved with Pedal the Cause. That's, that's awesome. awesome. It was great. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I saw a picture of you and uh, Dana. You are, yeah. yeah. One of my former players that I right. coached. You and her are great yeah. friends. She's great. She is. She's awesome. No, that's, that's really cool. My number, number one. My number one thing is going to be City SC. I know that we were touching on it earlier in the first segment, but uh, the way that they're playing right now is just so exciting. The Cardinals this season have been terrible to watch. City SC in their inaugural season have been fantastic to watch. And what they're doing is making history in MLS. And the way that they're playing, the pieces they have together, I love everything about City SC and what they're doing and the product they're putting out there on the field. I, I mean, or on the pitch, excuse me, mm-hmm. day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're we're nice. on the and the match. How about that? Yes. Well done. And <clears throat> excuse me, I got choked up on coffee a little bit during <laughs> while you were talking I about Miami. It. I was trying to cover up and not was distract Sean you. So Payton I'm <laughs> defense and offense that he's putting out there is just, choking people up. I know it's it's pretty bad, <laughs> but I thought that this was really cool to see. So after this weekend, uh, City SC tied LAFC for the most wins by an expansion team in their inaugural season in MLS history. That's excluding the shootout era. But it just shows you how just amazing everything that they've done this season. And I want to continue to just give them their flowers because they deserve it. They've put in so much work these past few years getting this this team, this club ready, getting the stadium ready, getting the fans ready. And it's all paying off in this inaugural season. And there's so much to look forward to with uh, with them moving forward. Very nice. I, I My number one is surprising. It is the Houston Texans. Mm. The win that they had over the weekend versus the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. C.J. Stroud is a much better football player than I think. Mm. Coming out, everyone was talking about Anthony Richardson. You were talking about Bryce Young. Yeah. Will Levis. And and C.J. Stroud just kind of got looked over. No matter, Despite the fact that he played extremely well in college, was an, a, a, a hell of a competitor at Ohio State. He is number four in the league in passing yardage right now. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions for a rookie quarterback in his third game to be top five in passing yards and not turn over the ball yet, I think is extremely impressive. D'Amico Ryans and what he's doing as a head coach, they are playing tough. They're playing hard. They are showing up. C.J. Stroud is doing a, a, a fantastic job. And here's the thing. That AFC uh, South division is <laughs> up for grabs. Who'd they beat? Look at them. They beat the team at, in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. The team that everyone yes. said was going to be the team that is supposed to win the division running away. That was absolutely amazing to me. The Indianapolis Colts are, are two and one, but that was a surprise beating mm-hmm. the, the, the the Ravens over the weekend. Houston has a chance to be really good in this division 
and maybe surprise a lot of people. And I thought that was spectacular, just his performance. Yeah. Uh, my number one is I loved the vibe around the Dome on Saturday. The tailgates were great. The, the scene in Bear Park before the game and all the Mizzou fans was terrific. And then being inside the Dome was a lot of fun, and Mizzou made it fun. And we can do even better in St. Louis. And if they get... With all due respect to Memphis, it's just not a real sexy opponent. It's not somebody that people are saying, oh, I want to see Mizzou play Memphis. But if you could get Arkansas here every year and every other year and have that rivalry game at the Dome on Black Friday, I think that we can even take it to a higher level. I love seeing big-time football, and this is the SEC. I love seeing big-time football in our community. We are a football town, 45,000 on hand, 44,000 Mizzou fans, and Kudos to the Sports Commission for setting it all up, getting the game in place, and all of the ancillary surrounding events like the the tailgating and the pregame parties. They did a, a fantastic job of presenting the game. And oh, by the way, and I know you guys are like-minded to me, I get so tired of people that say, I hate the place where a football game is played. Carrie, you coach high school football. Mm-hmm. You're concerned about what goes on between the white lines, aren't yeah, you? I, yeah. I don't care about big screens. I don't care yeah. about having internet access. I'm there to watch a football yeah, game. You should be mm, dialed yeah. in. What, I mean, I guess it. Jerry Jones kind of ruined the football mm-hmm. experience for people because people <laughs> literally go to the Cowboy games and the game is taking place down here and they're like this the entire yeah, game. Right? Yeah. They're watching it on the screen as opposed to just looking down yeah. at the actual game taking place. But so, I think, and it's. I'm not going to say that it's been dumbed down. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm going to say the focus of sports because of the NFL, the focus of their sport has turned from what's happening on the field to everything that's happening off the field. Yeah. People are concerned about the, the, the foam in their chairs. They're concerned about the size of the scoreboard. They're, yeah. they're concerned about uh, having to wait in line for drinks. You know what? Go in and watch a football game. Yeah. Realize it on, and by the way, crowds, we got to be better. Uh, you got to make a lot more noise when the defense is on the field. It was kind of a dead atmosphere at times. So we, we need to be better at that in St. Louis, too. But, and this is a sports show, maybe it's a little bit different. But I think the NFL has kind of, they've taken the focus away from the actual game on the field. And people are thinking way too much about where they are rather than what they're watching. I did realize, Brooke, you brought this up last week about all of the fights that take place in games. I realized as I was sitting at that game why people do get punched in the face. There's a few comments from people. You had maybe one, two, three, five too many. Sit Mm -hmm. down. One of your friends should tell you to close your mouth. And they weren't talking to me. They were just talking in general. And it's just, I see why people get into it. Yeah. Alcohol, your favorite team winning or losing tends to get a bit disruptive. Well, and somebody said on the text line last week, and I thought this was the best way to sum it up about why we're seeing so many more fights, is that people are used to just talking all this crap on the internet, on their keyboard, so then they think they could take that to the outside world. It doesn't really pan out that well. I did, I thought it was a fantastic game. I enjoyed it as well. I know I saw some of those comments where people are talking about the Dome, but here's the thing. You want these big events to come here to St. Louis, and the fans did show up. I thought it was a really good turnout. Even some of the Memphis, you know, fans, Mm -hmm. I thought that there were, I wasn't expecting that many Memphis fans, honestly. And I know that they have a good fo- football program, but I didn't know how they would travel well or if they would or not. I think the biggest thing is that you want to continue to support big events like this because you want to continue to attract it. Absolutely. That's Carrie. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that's what we loved about the weekend. Coming up, four downs from NFL Week 3 here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to- 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Kerry, and Randy, and it's four downs from week three in the National Football League. First down. All right, Brooke, what do you got for first down? Well, I've already gotten some texts in this morning, so I'm sure you guys know where I'm going to go with this. The Tennessee Titans. I need you guys to talk me off a ledge here Can't. because I I don't feel great. When you get blown out by the Browns in that fashion and it was just an embarrassing game overall, I don't there wasn't many highlights for me. So my question to you guys is, can they just like blow up the offense and start over again? Is that something that you can do in the NFL? Is that something that we can do here because I just don't even know what you can say that is even working offensively for the Titans. And look, like I know I've been hard on Ryan Tannehill and there is times where I think that he is still to me just not what I envision for the Titans and a franchise quarterback when you compare to maybe some of the other quarterbacks in the league but this past game I can't fully put on him even though he wasn't exactly accurate I think 13 of 25 is what you saw from him but I mean the O-line was completely Match. It was really interesting because after the game, if you saw and CD, you and I were talking about this. I mean, Miles Garrett just absolutely worked the Titans O-line. Mm. I mean, he was just putting on a show. It was embarrassing for the Titans O-line. And then Dillard, uh, the Titans left tackle, he spoke after the game. And look, credit to him. I will always give credit to players who are willing to speak to media members after a performance that is not good and where they know they have to answer some hard questions. And he talked about how after the game, Miles Garrett it actually gave him some pointers on how to face guys like him moving forward. So for the Titans, I don't even know what to say other than can we just blow up this offense and start all over again? Because you can't even when you have an O-line performing that badly, Derrick Henry can only do so much. Ryan Tannehill can only do so much. They were just completely outmatched in that game. They were. Um, you had Ryan Tannehill throw for 104 yards. An NFL quarterback 
throwing 13 mm-hmm. for 25 for 104 yards. That's not going to get it done. Derrick Henry, who you know they want to hand the ball to 20, 25 times, had 11 carries for 20 yards. That's just bad offense. I mean, that, that's what it boils down to. They they aren't getting anything. They had 126, 130 yards of total offense. Yeah. Tannehill was game. sacked five times in that game. Yeah, it was that's just bad. You can't blow up, unfortunately, because they clearly don't have enough resources invested in the offensive line. And what we're talking about here, when Derrick Henry is 11 for 20 and when you get sacked five times, you aren't getting enough production up front. And that's how you change things, and you can't do that during a season. They drafted no. a, uh, an offensive lineman in the first round. Yes. He has been out for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it was an injury or a sickness, an illness. Something was going on where he didn't dress. He hasn't he hasn't dressed the last two weeks, but you can't spend draft capital on an offensive lineman, him not playing, a quarterback, and he's not playing. Mm-hmm. He, you just have to figure out guys, draft guys that are going to make be impact players, especially when you draft them in the first and second rounds. You want those guys. Those guys have to be guys that are dressed and playing and able to help your team in some way. And right now, uh, the Tennessee Titans need a lot of help. All from right. A lot. Players. Second down. My second down is going to be... I lost it. Oh, hey. How about them Cowboys? Oh! <laughs> no, they didn't play a great game. Oh, no. The Arizona Cardinals, I said this last week, uh, they are somebody got to tell the Cardinals that they're not supposed to be winning because clearly <laughs> nobody told them that they're not supposed to play hard, that they're trying to draft Caleb Williams in the first round of, of next year's draft, that they are supposed to be the lowest of the low in the NFC uh, West com- division and the NFC as a conference. They're supposed to be at the bottom, and yet here they are beating the Dallas Cowboys, the team that everyone praised so highly because of their defense. Now, I know some people will say, well, you didn't have Diggs playing the cornerback towards ACL, he's out. No, they took it to the Cowboys from the first quarter until the final quarter. And that I said it, the Arizona Cardinals are playing really, really well. They're playing tough. I don't know if it's more of a surprise to see what the Cowboys, how the Cowboys lost or didn't show up or how well the Arizona Cardinals are playing right now. The Cardinals have been just exciting to see. Maybe it's just because of the connections with Joshua Dobbs and I'm excited for him to get this opportunity, but it seems like they are just coming together chemistry wise. And that's what is really standing out to me other than Joshua Dobbs and the way he's playing. Do you think that with the Cowboys though, not trying to make excuses for the Cowboys, because I know that there's always, you know, a lot out there where people are going to defend them, but they were without three of their typical alignment. I thought Prescott didn't necessarily look bad, but there was some crucial moments where he didn't look good. He's he's I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't turned the ball over to the level that he did so far yeah. last year, but it just doesn't look explosive. They mm-hmm. don't have a lot of explosive plays and I, it's hard to figure out what they need right now offensively. They just they're just there. The defense have been playing well, but again, they had played against the Jets and the Giants and everybody would look really good against those defense against those offensive lines. I don't know what they need, but it, it, that was a surprising loss it from was. the Cowboys to yes. me. Cowboys were favored by 11 and they lost by 12 and we got some quick analysis from a Cowboy Hall of Famer Emmett Smith. This kind of inconsistency play going up against a team like New England would get you completely blowed out. <laughs> get you blowed out. You that. better know it. <laughs> yeah, oh, guys. Uh, third down. Okay, we know what an 
what a monster the National Football League is. They're a steamroller. They can do whatever they want. But <laughs> what's the true. biggest story in the NFL this morning? <laughs> that Taylor Swift was in a suite yeah. at Arrowhead Stadium watching her beau, Travis Kelsey, and the folks from uh, the, the TV networks couldn't get enough of it. They kept showing her over and over and over again. This morning on all the sports shows, you keep seeing Taylor Swift over and over and over again. Tell you what, if the NFL ever wanted to take it to the next level, they figured it out by attracting the Swifties. No. Yeah. I, I can see that. They, they, they I don't know. I, for me, you know, I'm more worried about the game than who's at the game. I want to know. Too. <laughs> I mean, I was more intrigued by... How poorly Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense oh, performed yes. than I was with Taylor Swift banging on the glass when when Travis Kelsey hit the uh, scored the touchdown. I just it was it's cool, but well, you know we, we we saw it with Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson, and the Cowboys never did make a Super Bowl with with Tony Romo. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Chiefs. I know you've been there three times and you know how to get there, but don't say I didn't say I didn't warn ya. Yeah, guys, this is a nice. great thing. This is this is a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> did you guys not like that? There's a Taylor Swift cam. It, it, it cam. Was it was awesome. it was a beautiful moment where she is in the suite with his mom. They're celebrating the whole time. Let's blank and go. Was cute. Yeah, she I didn't did have say that. that. On my bingo card. I, I thought Swift, it no. was cute. I just thought it was funny. All the memes coming out of it, and just it, if they're, I assume that they're dating, right? I, I mean, that's that's are. official, they, right? They walked out together. They no, see, out somebody took like two people. Just hanging each out. Other. Yeah. They, they walked out like Brooke and I walking out of the studio. They were just standing <laughs> next to each other. Like, it, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it didn't look like they were, they were, they just looked like friends. Yeah. And, no, no, no. But I saw that there was photos that somebody took of them supposedly driving off together too mm. in the same car. I don't know. Maybe this will be the, the new it couple, a very, very powerful couple, but <sighs> I thought it was cute. I, I do get that maybe Save it, it was the somewhat of it. I, Hey, it, it was it was fun to see. I thought it was hilarious, and maybe they will be the next yeah. big it couple. All right, one more fourth down. Fourth down. Guys, there are only two three and O teams in the league, and this is going to be a rematch of the Super Bowl in 1984. Then it was Dan Marino and Joe Montana. Now it'll be Tua against Brock Purdy. It's going to be the Dolphins and the 49ers mm. in the Super Bowl in Vegas. You like that, huh? Yeah. Mm. I mean, the 49ers are are playing extremely well. Uh, and what you saw from Miami, I said offensively, that, that 70 points, I, I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen 70 points. You have points. not. Okay. I, 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 I don't remember the last time that happened, but I don't think I had seen it. It, it was spectacular. Just And they didn't let their foot off the pedal. They just stayed on them and getting after them. And you, you, if you're a, a Denver Bronco uh, defensive coordinator, defensive coach, defensive player, Monday morning, and you wake up after that. What I don't know how you how you reason with what took place when you watch that film. It's going to be a lot of hard coaching and a lot of heads down uh, as they watch that film. But the the 49ers are spectacular offensively and defensively, and Miami just looks like a juggernaut on the offensive side. Yeah. So that was that's fun to watch. You still got the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles who play tonight. Uh, yep. Have an opportunity to be three and zero. Somebody else has it right. Somebody else is two and zero. Who is it? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Tampa. Oh, they play tonight. Too. They play tonight as well. They yeah. won't be two and zero after. Uh, but they playing the, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you remember the old football Cardinals quarterback, Neil Lomax? Yeah. Who was great, really an underrated historical quarterback. He played for Portland State one time in 1980. They were playing Weber State, won 105 to nothing. Shh. 105 Ooh. to nothing. Ooh. Neil threw eight touchdown passes, I think, in the first quarter. Oh, no. Yeah. It no. was uh, It was impressive. Eight in the first quarter. Yep. That feels illegal. Uh, that's when you, uh, yeah, when you grab the coach on his way out the field and say, "Hey, we need to talk." <laughs> that's exactly right. Okay, quick follow up though. <laughs> yeah. Just and we can get into this more later. And I, I proposed this earlier. Jets, the worst situation, or Broncos? But now, sorry, it was Bears. Seven, seven touchdown passes. In the Bears first quarter, or Broncos? Which one is the worst situation that you think right now, Ooh. where it's going to be the hardest to turn around? Not just this season, but also in the next few years. Ooh, I, I think. Chicago, yeah, because I th- I have confidence in Sean Payton still. I don't have as much confidence in Russell Wilson, but I think Payton is good enough and has uh, he's earned enough of the benefit of the doubt for me. Matt Eberflus shows me nothing, and that's a dysfunctional. I mean, their, their defensive coordinator, coordinator leaves, and we have no idea why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The quarterback is saying that he feels like he's not coached well. I think the Bears have big, big problems. I agree, and that's coming from a team. You're talking about two teams, one in which lost. Gave up 70 points, and you don't think that they're worse than the Bears, who gave up, what are they, 41? The yeah. Bears are in a terrible situation. They are, I got a lot of friends that are Chicago Bears fans. I, I went to Illinois, so I, everyone is from Chicago. They are Bears, bear down, bear down, bear down. <laughs> yeah, it's, they are frustrated watching this team that hasn't had a quarterback of of recognition for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, the, year after year yeah. after year. It's they luck can't, one, right? I mean, him or Jim Har- or Jim, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. Yeah. Pick one. Those are the yeah. two quarterbacks. And Jim McMahon didn't play; hasn't played football since '87, '88. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's been maybe '90. It's been he a long for the, time. I think he might have been far back backup in the yes, Super Bowl. Yes, year. but it's been a long time yeah. since he played for the Bears. That's if you're a Chicago Bear fan, you have to be very, very frustrated. Don't you fire Eberflus and bring in Harbaugh? Uh, he gonna get a quarterback with him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he developed. He, he turned Alex Smith into the best he'd ever been. He, he developed Colin Kaepernick. He so, did. Yeah, he he can, he can do it. Uh, that is four downs from the NFL on 101 ESPN. Coming up, take it or leave it. Get your text in now to three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Here on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! All right, kids, uh, last year, the now 28-year-old Sandy Alcantara won the National League Cy Young Award. Of course, he had been signed by the Cardinals as an amateur free agent in 2013. And this year, it appears that 28-year-old 2016 third-round Cardinal draft choice Zach Gallen will win the National League's Cy Young Award. Uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals could use these, use these take two it. guys. Oh, take, take it. it. Yes. Either or. <laughs> yes. One or the yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. I, I have so many concerns when it comes to pitching. We were talking about it during the break, Randy, where it's, 
when you're looking ahead to this offseason, and even if you're looking at from an organizational standpoint how they're developing pitching, there's cause for concern of if even next season, you hope that maybe some guys will be ready to go, but will they be ready to go next season? Gordon Graceffo, why not have brought him up and possibly just have him come out of the bullpen. I think that you you said that earlier, and I 100% agree with you. Well, you got to see what these guys are capable of. And if you think that you have all the tools here at the major league level to develop your pitchers and help them, then why not bring some of these guys up here? Because you have to evaluate everything going to next season. Because my concern is not only not have enough pitching at the major league level next season, but you also have to be prepared for the depth and what you're developing in your minor league system, too. And when I look at this particular coaching staff, not last year's, because you have a new pitching coach this year, but when I look at what has occurred this year with Matthew Libertor and with a guy like Zach Thompson saying, yeah, I started watching tape of Clayton Kershaw, and that's when things got better. But when you look at... A guy like Henesis Cabrera not having a role and then going and lighting it up. I mean, unbelievable for Toronto. Jordan Hicks continuing to pitch well. I'm talking primarily about young pitchers. I don't have a ton of confidence in the Cardinals' ability to advance young pitchers like Alcantara advanced with Miami and Gallon when he got traded from Miami to Arizona did. I just... I I fear that the Cardinals are going to be stuck in a malaise with young pitchers and it's not going to get any better. No. And, I, I fear that. And that's what you need. That's <sighs> the most successful teams have pitching depth, right? And they're, they're also develop. and they're developing it at the minor league level. Mm-hmm. And this season, even if you possibly wanted to go get a, a guy from the minor league level, they weren't ready for that next step yet. Are we going to run into that again next season? Yeah, it looks like teams might have been scouting CD ROM. <laughs> kind of, kind of yeah, I kind of figured that one out. Uh oh, yeah. that blew it, up. It's, it's it's tough. Yeah, being in this position, knowing that two pitchers that you've had in your organization are Cy Young Award winners or potentially Cy Young Award winners, and you don't have any of those guys on the roster right now. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yep. Well, I felt like the Cardinals used to have like a pitching factory, essentially, of when you're developing do. guys and getting <laughs> them to the major league level. Them. Yeah, they still, yeah, yeah, they yeah, they still do. Places. I guess you're right. They're just churning <laughs> yeah. them out. It's, you're supposed to keep it, Cardinals. Right. You're supposed yeah. to keep yeah. those guys. We can put together an unbelievable <laughs> former Cardinals staff right now off the top <laughs> yes. of our heads. It'd be crazy. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. So the over the weekend, the uh, Denver Broncos gave up 70 points. Uh, the Colorado Buffaloes gave up 42 points. There's Take it or leave it. There's a person who was born and raised in Denver, graduated from the University of Colorado, that had to take off work today. Y'all take it. <laughs> yes. After, after yeah. that weekend of oh, man. 112 yeah. points, yeah. just said, oh, you know what, I'm not going in on Monday. I'm just going to yeah. sit at home. I, I guess so. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been so. bad enough. Yeah. Saturday <laughs> and Sunday were, were, you know how That's draining that has to be if you are a Broncos and a Colorado oh. Buffs fan? And you just, oh. you spend your entire Saturday and Sunday, why, you figure Saturday, okay, that was bad. Oof. All right, got that out of the way. We get to go to Miami. At least we'll have a, and then your team gives up 70 points. Yeah. Do you think it's even worse for them because there was maybe some high expectations for both teams? And look, Colorado 100% going to bounce back. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, but I'm saying with the Broncos, well, it's been like seven years of suffering for the Broncos, I feel like. Yeah. So then that fan base has to be used to it. But is it worse that you probably got your hopes up going in the season thinking that they would be better? And then Sean this Payton, was the result? Yes. You're 0 3 right now. 
I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this one. It's, a, it's one of my all-time favorites. The late, great Bill Wilkerson was the voice of both the Mizzou Tigers and the St. Louis Football Cardinals. Mm-hmm. 1986, I'm producing Cardinal games. Bill calls the Norman Conquest, 77 nothing Oklahoma over Mizzou in Norman, Oklahoma. Somehow gets from Norman, Oklahoma to San Francisco to call the Cardinals at the 49ers the next day. Cardinals lose 43-17. 77 nothing on Saturday, 43-17 on Sunday. All that travel by BW. Just, and that was and then he had to be back at the station on Sunday morning to, to do the show. It's a hard life, man. That's Unbelievable. Bad. Nobody, nobody yeah. wants to Randy, I I, yeah. I did the radio for Illinois Ooh, for a yeah. while. Mm-hmm. It was some hard drives, man. Like, it, 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 you drive up to six hours to Iowa. You got to drive back. You 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 go to Purdue. You got to drive back. You fly <laughs> out to Penn State with the team. You got to fly back and then drive home. It's just it, it, depressing. And you don't have any control over any of it. Right. You're just announcing what's happening. It's, it's a tough life. Man. Long for the ride. Oh, man. <laughs> well, take it or leave it, guys. We were talking about this hot new celebrity it couple with Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift, who is very very famous. Take it or leave it. This is the biggest athlete celebrity relationship since Derek Jeter and Mariah Carey. I'm going throwback with this oh, one. Oh, you are. Because I just wow. uh, okay. You I think Jessica. I feel then. like Jessica Simpson was big, but not Taylor Swift big. So I'm trying to think of yeah. something where two people at like very big points of their career, Taylor Swift. I mean, we've seen how much mm-hmm. she's done with her tour, and then Travis Kelsey is obviously Travis Kelsey. I'm saying like. When it comes to two people at the peak of their careers, I think that's a great call. During their career, yes. Hmm. I don't know Tony Romo. That just that that to me, I don't know if that was as splashy. I know it was a big story at the time. But, yeah, yeah. She, but Taylor Swift is she could be number one all time. Yes, right. Way bigger than Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Hmm. I think that, that might be. Yeah. Might be. It's. It's not well, DiMaggio they, and Marilyn Monroe. Oh, no. now that one is all yeah, time. That's probably the all time. David Beckham yeah. and, and the Spice Girl. Uh, Posh Spice. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't know her name. <laughs> oh, Victoria, Victoria. Beckham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how that's about uh, Verlander and Kate Upton? Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You, but she's not. Too, she's uh, what about, I, what I, about I, Russell and Sierra? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Because he's but, wait, CD, I said I think, peak of their careers. Oh, okay. said, yeah. Tom Brady and Giselle. <laughs> Tom Brady. Yeah. I would still go in terms of visibility and popularity. But Taylor Swift, she she sold out every. She oh, sold somebody, out six concerts at SoFi. Okay, some people are texting in. J-Lo and A-Rod. That's right. That's, that's, that's fair. Okay. I think that, that's fair. By that time A-Rod was done, yeah, he was playing. done playing. I don't know, guys. I think that every once in a while you get some big ones, and I think yeah. this might be the best or biggest since Mariah Carey and Derek Jeter. Of act, being active in their profession. I think that's a good call. Hmm. Yeah, because A-Rod was retired by the... Unless we're counting A-Rod the active broadcaster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I would I would argue that... I don't know. Taylor Swift, she tips the scales, right? Taylor yeah. Taylor Swift is as big as it gets. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in most of those, would you say the athlete is probably the more famous? I And, yeah. that's, and that was my point. And, and is, she's yes. more famous than Travis Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the one where the celebrity is more famous than the athlete. Yeah. yeah. How about um, 
Carrie Underwood and that player. Mike Fisher? <laughs> what do you mean that player? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Fisher. He's yeah, a Nashville Predator. Don't say that, player. He's a Nashville Predator legend, okay? They'll raise a banner for him. Don't you say that. They'll raise a banner for everybody. <laughs> They'll raise a banner yeah. saying, married Carrie Underwood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's their banner like? Uh, what, Western Conference runners-up or something? Oh, I know. They'll never escape it. Yeah. Uh, they'll never escape it. It's never going away. <laughs> Matthew, what do we got on the text line? <laughs> really simple. Uh, please report. There was an indoor fire somehow in the Predators facility. Just, oh no, what happened to the banner? What happened to the banner? Oh no. <laughs> Oops. Take it or leave it. The Blues are more likely to return to the playoffs in 2024 than the Cardinals. I will take that. Oh. I think the, Card- the Blues are going to make the playoffs this year. They're a pretty confident group over there. I, they got a lot of good players. The Cardinals don't make the playoffs next year. I I don't have confidence in they the Cardinals being to. able to fix this. <laughs> or this city might explode, and rightfully yeah. so. It's just I, yeah, it's bad. It's not good. I I do think the Blues possibly have a chance, but it's still going to be tough because I feel like the teams that you're thinking of the first in their division are going to be division and call. Or, Excuse me, Dallas and Colorado are still two teams that you have to figure out how to get through, and they've made some yeah. good moves. Yeah, I, I, I just, I wish I had more confidence in the Cardinals in in this being a one off. I just don't have confidence that this is a one off. Take it or leave it. College game days in Columbia in two weeks for Missouri LSU. Take leave it. it. Yeah, it's going to be there. Leave it. Now, now, why yeah. would you say such a thing, Carrie? It's, it, it seems like you're. Seems like you, well, have, they, water, you have water in there, or a certain kind of sports drink. Uh, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. It's not gonna happen. Oh, they, they played Vanderbilt this weekend. Yes, on. they'll be five and zero. Oh. What what games take place in two weeks? Let's see. Uh, let, let's take a look, see, and, and see what actually is happening in the landscape of college football, where you may have a game. So this will be week six? Week six. Texas and Oklahoma. Texas is number three. That's Oklahoma close, is 14. Mm. That is a problem for them. That's uh, the, but they aren't going to do that at the wet, the Red River shootout or whatever it is. They're the, the, because nobody shows day. up. Game day doesn't do it from there because there, there aren't any students there. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma, I, I, I think. A, they're gonna, that's not a huge draw at the Cotton Bowl. It's just not. Uh, for for game day, people aren't going to show up in the morning. Maybe at the Cotton huh? Bowl, they I'm, don't. I'm looking at this. What time do they play? They play at. They don't have a time on there. Yet. They don't. Yeah, they, they're not going to pick times for the big yeah. games yet. It'll be um, it'll be movable. At Columbia has has game day been to Columbia yeah. before? They Oklahoma. played number one Oklahoma in 2010. And who won that game? Uh, Mizzou won that game, baby. Nice. Good job. How'd it go? Went freaking fantastic. One of the best days of my life. Maybe. It Let's was, see what it, LSU it, it does might have been. Week. The the biggest is still the biggest attended college game day ever. The crowd was bananas. We were there, we were there at four o'clock in the morning. Someone from the six three six pointed out game day has gone to OU Texas three years in a row. They won't go they, a fourth. Okay, that makes sense. I, I I'm surprised that they have. I, I didn't think that they. I, I know that they draw in Norman. I know that they draw in Austin. But I'm surprised that they go to Dallas and. Randy, think you know. about it from the production side. Think how many times you can use the gun sh- the, the shootout effects. Pew pew oh. pew pew <laughs> throughout the entire college game. Every time you go to break, bang 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 bang. It's just it's the easiest. It's it's cheap pops all day long. It's, yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? But you can't do that now. It used to be the Wed Wivo shootout, <laughs> and now it's the the Wed Wivo Wivoi. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is. Take it or leave it. SCL needs to use some of that Rams money on the dome. Uh, uh, 
Especially a new field. STL needs to use some of that Rams money on a dome, especially a new field. Well, so I think, Randy, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there is, So I saw some people talking about this on social media. There's a misconception that all that money is going to be allocated towards the St. Louis Sports Commission, but it was divvied up between three different entities. So you had three different people trying to come together (laughs) on a decision on how to spend this money. I think some of the money... How much was it that they dedicated towards the St. Louis Sports Commission? But I think they're using it towards yeah, less than renovation. Million, yes, yeah. and it's it going, yeah, going to convention center to the convention page. center, which right. they do get more of. I I would love to see the dome get some more renovation so that you could attract some bigger games because I think that. St. Louis is a sports town. If you continue to build around that, then that's exactly what they should be doing. But getting everybody to come together on that money is hard. And I think that you hear that number and you think that can go a long way. Sometimes it really doesn't. All this stuff is really expensive, sadly. And the the turf was unattractive, but it wasn't dangerous. The turf is eight years old. It was per, This particular turf is, surface was purchased for the last Ram season here in 2015. Yes, they, they need to clean up and, you know, they need to get people out there and use some Windex and stuff like that. But uh, overall, you're, you're not trying to build the dome up to be to meet NFL standards right. now. That was going to be my thing. If you're not using it as often or weekly or, mm-hmm. you know, why, why would you put as many upgrades in it? Unless yeah. you plan on using it. I mean, I know the Battlehawks play there. Unless you're going to use it more than, what is that, six times a year? Right. Seven, eight times a year yeah. for, for football? I don't think you would spend money on that. Right. I, I would just like to see maybe some of the other parts of it get upgraded. They should possibly. have more games there. We used to play... Mm-hmm. Uh, our first three games, our first game of the year in high school used to be at the uh, at the Dome. Mm-hmm. Like, Hazelwood had a contract where we would play Hazelwood East Central and, and West would play opponents the first three games of the year. First three, first game of the year for all three high schools would be there. And if you're playing Thanksgiving weekend of the championships, they should all be at the Dome. Yes. Are Every they, single championship game should be at the Dome. They have not, are they in Springfield now? I think so, yeah. yeah okay, where yeah, they yeah, don't they, have a Dome. I think it might be cold and snowy and rainy yeah, and miserable. Yeah, the high school championship games obviously uh, absolutely need to be at the dome. Uh, one more, yeah. Randy, take it or leave it. When you factor in the first rounder, Chicago already has plus what they're getting it, it, once they draft Caleb Williams. That is a more attractive franchise for a head coach than Denver. I will leave it simply because I think that the Bears ownership has established themselves as bad. <laughs> That's yeah. and. It, the the new Broncos ownership has not established themselves, so at least you give them a chance. But the Bears ownership, the McCaskey family, they're bad, and bad owners are where bad teams start. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matthew, and thank you very much for your text. Coming up, the things that make you happy in sports. I had one happen yesterday. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Greg Amsinger of MLB Network and I are having fun because we've kind of, uh, this year, this football season, we have returned to our youth. And uh, that it, it's pretty cool to be a fan of a team again. Not that I have a total emotional investment, but it is fun to have 
You know, just uh, just to return to my younger days. Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. <laughs> no, my, my youth, youth. And that is liking the, the Cardinals, even though they're in Arizona. Well, one of my favorite things is having my team win, which is the Arizona Cardinals. But when I was a kid and throughout my adult life, my favorite thing is when my team beat the Dallas Cowboys. Third down and goal. Fake to Connor. Dobbs retreats and floats for the end zone. It's Brown. It's a touchdown. Hollywood. Hollywood Brown with the touchdown. My Cardinals knock off the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? 28 to 16. I always enjoy it. I enjoy it even more since Jerry Jones ripped my St. Louis Rams from St. Louis. I always enjoy it when the Cowboys lose and when the Rams lose. And those are the things that make me happiest in sports. So thank you, Arizona Cardinals, for making me very, very happy yesterday and today. I thoroughly enjoy it. Nice. Good for you. That's yeah. nice. My my thing that made me happy was watching my Steelers on Sunday night mm-hmm. get a victory, get a dub over a Las Vegas Raiders team. The the offense starting to figure it out just slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. But that defense, man, I, I will take that defense against pretty much any team in the league. I, they had some struggles in the first week of the se- first game of the season versus the uh, San Francisco 49ers. However. Defensively, they get after the quarterback. They make plays in the secondary. They cause fumbles. They cause turnovers. They are a really good team. And watching them beat up on the Raiders was uh, made me happy. Yeah. I think my favorite thing this weekend, I was telling you guys before, I know that you were talking about just all the drama surrounding Josh Allen, Randy, and you were talking about some of the takes that people had. But I, I told you, the NFL is a soap opera. Week in and week out, there's always going to be some interesting story, and we've already touched on it. But I absolutely loved everything that unfolded with that Dolphins and Broncos game because of the drama happening on both sides. One, for the Dolphins to dominate in a fashion like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like video game numbers that that offense was putting up. It was absolutely unreal seeing that happen. And the final score, it was like, is this a basketball game? Like, what is going on here? To put up that many points in that fashion was just really interesting to see because of all the storylines going into the season for both teams. And you look at Sean Payton, and there was all these videos coming out of Sean Payton talking about how Tua, he's not going to be like a quarterback, remember, during broadcasting days with Sean Payton talking about how Tua is not going to be essentially the quarterback of the future for the Dolphins. Well, kind of looks like he ooh, might be. He might be. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you have Mike Daniels, and you know he he get him overlooked with that Broncos role a while back too. And so there were so many different storylines going into that. So I just always love some of that drama that comes out of the NFL between the two teams and the Broncos. I'm interested to see how this goes moving forward. Is Sean Payton possibly going to be in the hot seat for this? To me, I know that Russell Wilson, you know, got a lot of flack and a lot of. Attention going to this season, and rightfully so in certain regards, but that almost makes it look like when you're looking at this team so far, the defense is a huge issue. And so then it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all these missteps moving forward. Because to me, I didn't think Russell Wilson is the biggest issue in that game. Does it bother you that a Walmart-owned team allowed 70 points, or does nah. that br- does that bring a level of glee? Nah. I think a little bit of glee. A little bit of glee for me. Yeah. Of course it makes me happy. He said that he didn't didn't mean that, though. 
No, don't, he, he don't, don't, that. just because, a, no, Carrie, stop it. Don't do He's this to me. He's a fan. Uh, you were, he's so for the Nuggets. You're just playing rude. You're just playing yeah. rude is what you are. You root for the Nuggets. I'm not rooting for the Nuggets. You well, do root for the Nuggets, for the but it doesn't nuggets. mean I root for Stan Kroenke. Kind of yeah. does. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Kind of but, does. And then also after the game, Sean Payton was very testy with a certain reporter uh, when he asked him about this really, really bad start to the season for the Broncos. I mean, I, I, I'm at a loss for words because I've never been in a, I've been on the other side of some games like that. And then every once in a while in this league, you get your butt whipped. But this was more than that. I know that you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 70. What's the question? I mean, what's the question? I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. Do you guys, here's the thing, here's the thing, with, with Sean Payton, I, I know that, you know, there was a lot that he had to take on coming into this role, but also I can't help but remember the Tua comments and the Hackett comments on the way out, and then you see what's mm-hmm. going on right now with the Broncos. Like I'm saying, it was, there were so many storylines with this game this weekend, and I don't know how the Broncos, you know, just move on from this and how they turn things around moving forward, because your defense is absolutely terrible. And I, I was thinking, well, in the last two years, They've traded Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Nobody else is allowed 70. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not great. There's a lot of defensive players have been traded and teams yeah. haven't allowed 70. It, it's, uh, that was bad. You, I, you know what else I do like that makes me happy is, is coaches being confrontational. Like, I, I do enjoy that. You got to see Dan Lanning being confrontational yeah. with the win over Colorado. Yeah. You saw Ryan Day calling out Lou Holtz. What, what, what type of man calls out Lou Holtz? Everyone loves Lou yeah. Holtz. However, yeah. just the anger, the, the amount of passion that goes into this sport even as a coach uh i love seeing that that makes me happy when when i see coaches kind of sparring at one another and Dion and prime said you know what i they they kicked our butts they did he said get me now because when we get better it's going to be a problem so i love it yeah and that reporter too in that situation probably loved it too because that sound went viral Mm -hmm. it was all over social media so i would rather have i would rather have a passionate coach (laughs) than somebody giving you coach speak in that post where you're like well great what am i going to do with this sound moving forward yeah not much Uh, there's a lot to make us happy about in sports it's wonderful coming up the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. The Blues taking on the Blue Jackets uh, tomorrow night, and you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Kerb's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Kerb's side with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. Tomorrow night when they take on the Blue Jackets, you'll hear the action here on 101 ESPN with the pregame at 6. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and we go to the celebrity line now. And the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, joins us. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, doing awesome. How are you guys? Everything's great. Any initial impressions from camp and the first couple of games that the Blues have played? Well, I, obviously, I saw the home game. I, I did not go to Wichita. Andy Zilch and Matt Lashoff handled that one for us. Uh, I think my biggest impression so far out of camp in, through the first three days plus uh, plus the games on Saturday is honestly the size of some of these players. Now, we're not going to see some of them for a little while yet. Some will go back to the minors. Some will go to junior hockey. 
but there it, it is clearly kind of a restocking of some size in the organization, and that I I think was something that the team in the last two years felt might have been missing. But my goodness, are you seeing it in camp right now? That is really good to see. So you're just talking about like bigger, bigger guys out there. You, is that what you were referencing? Yeah, just yeah, just just bigger players. I mean, you've got to be able to withstand the grind of of the season, and and you're always careful because, like, when I say smaller players, like you can have guys that are five eight, five nine, you know, five ten, and they 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 can play, and and some have had great careers and continue to have good careers in the NHL, like like a Tory Krug. But you can only have so many because eventually the size of some of these teams will wear you down. Now I'm not saying you need an entire team of six foot five, six foot six guys, but it's that it's that six one, six two, you know, with some meat on the bone kind of players that can withstand the pounding, that can get in on the forecheck, that can skate with some speed, that can wreak some havoc, uh, and and just more of that uh, and and that approach. The, the other aspect. Honestly, that, that you're seeing is there is definitely a focus on intensity right now. Uh, I thought I thought the first half of the game, the home game Saturday afternoon, was as good a physical preseason game that honestly we've seen in a long time. I, I said this to Joe on the air. I said, you know what? I think our first game last year was in Wichita, and about halfway through that game, I was pretty much done with the preseason. <laughs> right. So, and 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 this one was. You, you could see the fatigue of the first game kind of wear in, so it got less physical as the game went on. But man, there was some bodies thrown around, and and it was fun to watch. So, uh, I, I just I think the size, I think the intensity, I think the take some skin aspect of Craig Berube and that approach to uh, camp off the bat is uh, is very evident. Well, kind of staying on that, I wanted to ask you specifically about one player, Scott Perunovich. I know in that 3-2 to two win over the Coyotes, he had an assist. What did you make of his performance? Because it seems like this is going to be a pretty big preseason for him to prove himself going into this year. Yeah, it's an important preseason. It's it's an important year. Can he stay healthy is really the biggest key for him. I mean, and then and then can you get into the lineup and, and be able to make an impact there? I thought he played a terrific game. The puck was on his stick a lot. Uh, he, he was able to skate with it. He was able to move with it. You know, Craig Berube has talked about what's important for him is to. And, and I guess like this is important for Scott. But if you think about it in sports, this is really important for any pro athlete. You've got to use your skill set. And, and for Scott Perunovich, his skill set is skating and moving the puck. You know, now he's not not the fastest skater, but just smart skating. Be aware. Uh, have that. Have that um, that anticipation to your game, you know, where you can you can just wait a little extra second, sidestep the, the the forward coming in to hit you. He smacks the glass, you skate away with the puck and put a tape to tape pass. And and really, like the, his first pass out of the zones were good. His touches of the puck were good, and uh, and and just playing to his skill set. And look, guys, he didn't play an NHL game last year. Played 20 games in in the American Hockey League after recovering from that injury. So part of his camp this this season is also just getting your feet under you and getting getting back to some of the speed of the game at the NHL level. Curves Cardinal fans have suffered through a, a terrible season. So I need to know for for Blues fans who are one and the same, what is the realistic expectation for this team this season? Well, Carrie, as you know, we're high on hopium. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, I, I, honestly, I can't answer that. 
can't answer that right now. And and the reason is is okay. Uh, you, you brought up the Cardinals. I'll, I'll relate it to this. You can you the Cardinals this season had a season much like the Blues last season, where your expectations were much higher than the results that came. That can happen for a variety of reasons, injuries, you know, whatever, lack of performance. But in my opinion, one of the things that happened to the Blues last year and happened to the Cardinals this year is there were certain key question marks that you were hoping that guys would fill that role. Who's going to be your third through fifth starter for the Cardinals? Who's going to be your top? you know, fill up that left wing in the top six for the Blues, right? And over the course of a season, you never had anybody step in and take those roles. And then things start to spiral, and I don't care what it is. Most teams, if it starts to spiral out of control, it's hard to get even if you got veteran players back in control. This season for the Blues, you have enough skill on this team to make the playoffs. You've got a defensive core that backstopped you two years ago with the goaltending you have to a 110-point season, right? You've got enough forwards with skill in the lineup. The question that you've got from the forward standpoint is, are they going to take that next step? Are you going to be better defensively against the top lines if you're Kairou Thomas and Butch Navich, for example? Who's going to slide in into that top six? Does a Jake Neighbors move into a top six? Does he move into the top nine consistently? Do you get enough beef on bun on that bottom line, you know, that chips in, you know, eight to ten goals apiece kind of thing? And so do they have the players in camp to do that? I believe they do. The question really is, is are some of those guys going to take the next step to make that happen? And that's why this is a transition year that could put you back in the playoffs or having you knock on the door and just, and just see what happens. And, and so I guess that leaves you high on opium because I, there's question marks to be answered. But, Curbs, the, the nice thing for the Blues is, is that there are players that have the talent that if they perform up to a reasonable NHL level, they could be playoff players. There are some teams out there that even if their guys play their best, they don't have a chance. And that's a credit to Doug Armstrong and the staff that the Blues, up and down the lineup, have enough talented players that if they play up to an NHL level, uh, Verona is a perfect example, Cairo is a perfect example, Those two guys play a 200-foot game. We know their skill level in the offensive end, that they can be, if they they play reasonable defense and they they back-check, they can be good players and they can be playoff players. Randy, you go back to when Doug Armstrong took over in 2010, and that's right at the time that Oshie and Bacchus and Berglund and Perron and these guys are ready to really start to make a difference in the NHL. You, you, can, you can say that they've already had a couple years of getting to know the league. And what did Doug do? He brought in guys like Jason Arnott, like Jamie Langenbrunner, like Daryl Sador, and he brought in veteran players on just some one-year deals to help continue to teach these guys to win. You've got... You've got some younger players, but Doug Armstrong, unlike the Edmonton Oilers, unlike the Buffalo Sabres, unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs, he didn't let any of these young guys figure out how to play in the league without being surrounded by veteran guys. Mm -hmm. So even though a season ago he talked about this team being in transition, you know, and and it is a transition year, but he didn't hesitate to go out and say, okay, I didn't re-sign Ryan O'Reilly, I'm bringing in Kevin Hayes. I'm bringing in a guy that's a character guy for the room, which I know I need. I'm bringing in a guy that can that will be willing to play second line center, third line center, a guy that you know can can get you 25 goals and 50 points 
over the course of the season. He brings in a Nick Ritchie on a PTO. We'll see if he makes this team to put pressure, to keep competition up on guys. Like, he's not letting anybody be comfortable, but he's also not letting any of the young guys swim in the deep end, you know, without some help around. And and I think that that is why, when you mention the skill that you have, if they perform to even – doesn't have to be to the top level of the game, but if they perform reasonably to the level that they should – this could be a very exciting year for the team. And, and Braden Chen said it at our Blues and Brews event on Friday night, which, as, as you know, Randy, you were there. It was a, And, Brooke, you were too. Just a great event. Um, Braden Chen said, he goes, there's a lot of people sleeping on us right now. He goes, and we're fine with that. But I think we're going to surprise some people, and, and I hope that's the case. Curbs, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night, Blues and Blue Jackets, here on 101 ESPN. All right, guys, have an awesome week. You too. Thank you. Great to have hockey back. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. By the way, my Fox 2 show last night, the 101 on sports, we featured Doug Armstrong, Craig Bruby, and Jake Neighbors. And Doug Armstrong said, yeah, we expect to be a playoff team. So you can go watch that on our YouTube channel where you're watching us right now on YouTube. But uh, that, that show with uh, Army, Bruby, and uh, and Jake Neighbors, it's good to have those expectations. You should never go into a season. You should never have to go into a season where you say, yeah, we don't expect to make the playoffs. I hope so. It's a full <laughs> calendar year of no playoffs. That's enough. Blues, hockey, and Cardinals baseball. Yeah. Yes. Thank goodness for SC. Yes. Yes. Thankfully. If you are not going to make the playoffs, just warn everybody beforehand so they don't yeah. have to, you know, go out and buy tickets. <laughs> that would have been nice if the Cardinals did that this season. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be nice. <laughs> the Yankees did that one, t- or not the Yankees, the uh, the Rangers. They, they wrote a letter to their season ticket holder and said, yeah, we're going to be in a rebuild. Yeah. And then they did for a couple of years. Respectfully. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do you need a fighter, Matthew? We do need a fighter. So if you will text in to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO, and put your name and the word fight on your text, perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight with me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimby and Rock. What'd you say, Rock? Oh, it's a wonderful day for the fight. Okay. It's a wonderful day for the fight. That's what he is what he said. Uh, welcome back to the opening drive. It's time for the fight. Our fighter today is Tristan. Tristan, how you doing? Doing good. What's up? You ready to take on Randy Carricker? Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. The Patriots won their 15th straight game against the Jets, tying the longest active streak in the NFL, which AFC West rivalry also holds the record. Is it the Chiefs over the Broncos, the Raiders over the Chargers, or the Broncos over the Raiders? Uh, Broncos over the Raiders. All right. The Dolphins gained the second most yards in NFL history yesterday with 726 against a hapless Broncos squad. Rocky, you didn't have to add the hapless. Which current NFC franchise holds the all-time record? Is it the Rams, the Giants, or the Packers? Uh, Can you repeat that question? The Dolphins gained the second most yards in NFL history yesterday with 726 against a hapless Broncos squad. Which current NFC franchise holds the all-time record? Is it the Rams, the Giants, or the Packers? Uh, Packers. That game by the 1951 Rams faced off against the New York Yanks. 
Future Rams owner Carol Rosenblum bought the Yanks franchise and turned them into which eventual AFC franchise? Is it the Colts, the Titans, or the Chiefs? Uh, um, we'll go with the Colts. On this day in 2000, Vince Carter jumped over an opposing player for the greatest dunk in world basketball history. Which team was the U.S. men's national team playing in that game? Was it Lithuania, Serbia, or France? Uh, Serbia. All right, let's double-check that score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Tristan, how you feeling? Uh, I don't really know any of those questions. <laughs> blame Rock. You yeah. know what, Tristan? Don't blame yourself. You know sports. Just blame Rock. These were some uh, yeah. intriguing questions that we had on the fight. He's he's He had right. a weekend where he rested. Clearly, he came in on Monday. He's super excited and, and felt the need to beat up people, not only on the radio, <laughs> but on the text line as well. Mm-hmm. He's a bully. Oh. Yeah. No. He is. He's a bit of a bully, Randy. Oh. Randy he says, he's, he says he's not a bully. Yeah, he said, that's what, all, bully. "That's what all bullies say." <laughs> I'm not a bully. Come on, Randy. Say hello Uh-oh. to Tristan. Tristan, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Of course. All right, Randy. Here we go. All right. The Patriots won their 15th straight game against the Jets, tying the longest active streak in the NFL. Which AFC West rivalry also holds that record? Of current. Victories against a team? AFC West. It's got to be the Chiefs. Um, And it's not against the Raiders. So is it the Chargers or is it the Broncos? I'm going to go, because the Broncos have been bad for a long time, that it's the Chiefs and the Broncos with the Chiefs winning. The Dolphins gained the second most yards in NFL history yesterday with 726 against a hapless Broncos squad. Wow. Which current NFC franchise holds the all-time record? Of yards in a single game? Uh, That would be the 1951 Los Angeles Rams, led by Norm Van Brocklin and Bob Waterfield. I'm glad you asked for clarification because you never know. We might sneak something in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that game by the 1951 Rams faced off against the New York Yanks. Future Rams owner Carol Ru- Rosenblum bought the Yanks franchise and turned them into which eventual AFC franchise? Carol Rosenblum bought the Yanks and uh, turned them into the Baltimore Colts and then traded the Baltimore Colts for the Los Angeles Rams. Bob Ursay, I believe, wound up with the Colts. So it was basically, yeah, I'll, I'll trade my team for your team. It was interesting deal. Colts. Colts. Final answer there. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question. On this day in 2000, Vince Carter jumped over an imposing player for the greatest dunk in world basketball history. Is this factual or is this somebody's subjective opinion? I don't know how you could say anything else would qualify, Randy. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I mean, it may be the greatest dunk ever. Mm. Like, not just... I'm dumbing it down by calling by, by qualifying history. world basketball history, Randy. Might be the greatest dunk ever. I'm and dumbing like it down. That, that on video, let's say that. Okay. okay. Someone go. can show me a, a, a video. I mean, I'm sure they their videos, and they said Earl Manigold used to touch the top of the backboard chain, put dollar change up there. Man, I don't know. Dr. Dr. J had some pretty good dunks back in the day. Yeah, but this was over another person. 
Guys, this is what okay, so he was not, not, okay. not NBA. Over a human being. Okay, so uh, what's Do you the question want me to again? Restart it. Okay, <laughs> all right. I, I was I was gonna say I'm just gonna restart the question. Okay. It's okay. On this day in 2000, Vince Carter jumped over an opposing player for the greatest dunk in world basketball history, possibly ever. <laughs> Which team was the U.S. Men's National Team playing in that game? In 2000, I'll do the uh, the old lifeline here, Brooke. Lithuania, Serbia, or France? Um. I will. Uh, I'm going to flip a coin between the uh, the ears. Um, <laughs> so we've got Serbia and uh, Lithuania. I what about will France? go. I'm, I'm not going to include France, even though you'd think that he would posterize. You know what? I will. I'll go with France because I think French people are easier unless you get to Wemby now. But historically, French people have been easier to posterize where they're just looking up and saying, oh, my God, that's Vince Carter. And I'm looking at his crotch. So, yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm to go with uh, France. Well, we have a winner in today's fight. Does Randy's mistrust of countries with letters that end in IA come back to bite him? Or in Tristan walk off with this one on a Monday? Or does Megamind just keep rolling with another week with wins? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. So, question. Do you, do you think that, like, when um, that happens, like when Geno Smith saw Aaron Donald coming, do you think that the, 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 the French guy says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tristan, I'm sorry you heard Mr. Buck there. Randy Carricker got all four right. He beat you four to one in the fight today. Yep, yep, figured that. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> the Patriots won their 15th straight game against the Jets, tying the longest active streak in the longest active streak in the NFL. Which AFC West rivalry also holds that record? It is in fact the Chiefs over the what did I call them? Hapless, yes, hapless yeah, Broncos. Broncos. The Dolphins gained the second most yards in NFL history yesterday against that hapless Broncos squad. The current NFC franchise that holds the record is in fact the Rams. And as you found out in question three, it was the 1951 Rams facing off against the New York Yanks. The Yanks would move. To uh, would move to Dallas for a little bit before then all their assets and everything would be bought and moved to Baltimore where they would reconstitute an old Colts franchise and then of course Carol Rosenblum trading the Colts for the Rams so the Colts the answer at number three and on this day in 2000 Vince Carter jumped over an opposing player for subjectively the greatest dunk in world basketball history it was in fact France Kerry Davis you got the name for me uh, no, Frederick Weiss was the was yeah, no, Frederick Weiss, Weiss yeah. was who the Frenchman who got, who got the <laughs> I, I remember the dunker, not the dunkie. <laughs> that's, what we why, doing here? that's why I made it just the country for the question. <laughs> and a four-one victory for Randy in the fight today. Again, Tristan, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show. Of course, appreciate it. Thanks, Tristan. Job, Tristan. By the way, you guys know I'm shallow, so I'll start with that. <laughs> but one of the greatest days of my life was when the Rams snapped their 17-game losing streak to the San Francisco 49ers, October 10th of 1999. 
it was just such an awesome day, and it was beautiful, kind of like this day. Mm-hmm. And it was just 42 to 20, and they, they kneeled on the ball at the one-yard line. They could have gone in and run mm-hmm. up the score, and they showed a little mercy on the 49ers. And then that was the game where Bill Walsh, who was the general manager of the Niners at the time, walks in on Dick Vermeil's press conference and grabs him around the neck and says, you're going all the way, baby. <laughs> so the, the opposing team's GM came in wow. and awesome. told Dick Vermeil, the coach of the Rams, you're going all the way, baby, and then the Rams did. It was pretty cool. Pretty Coming cool. up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to our friend Bradley Carnell, the head coach of City SC. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus. Who clips it over Breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Events Staffing. Better people mean better events. These guys, Klaus has a winning mentality. He just energizes the whole group when he comes on the field. Crossage in the air. Klaus header. Oh, baby! Are you kidding? We are tied! You get to see, you know, when Jobs is in the groove, he's, he's almost unplayable. You know, he's really, he, he's so silky and smooth. And uh, one back toward Wolf, in the penalty right now. Yeah! yeah! Oh, baby! Chapulho Wolf makes it 2-1 City! So, yeah, we, we really displayed a good level of maturity and quality in that second half. That is the head coach of St. Louis City SC, Bradley Carnell. As City's excellence continues, you heard Klaus scoring the equalizer and Blom scoring what stood up as the winner in St. Louis City's 2-1 win over Minnesota United the other night on Saturday night. And Bradley Carnell joins us now on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coach, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me again. But we always enjoy having you. And that was a busy week last week. You go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and your team came away with just a magnificent week. You must be really happy with the body of work over the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to go back through the body of work throughout the season. And, and even the body of work of when when times get tough and, and the results not going our way, um, but still trying to find a way to, to build and be one step better than the week before. And I think, uh, you know, for me, it goes back a few weeks ago. You know, the Orlando game for me, uh, we go down on that game. But unfortunately, you know, that reward uh, that doesn't get rewarded. Um, and But the boys did really well. And we had a tough, uh, you know, away stretch. We had two home games and four away games in that stretch. And then three back-to-back away games. Um and then we get the results in two of those games. So really, really good stuff. And, and I think it's just building building process and building blocks and getting to a step where we kind of got to last uh, in the last game against Minnesota, where we are able to believe in everyone. We are able to get a performance. We are able to get results. Um, and again, it's just the reward for the hard work that these guys put in. Well, as you were touching on there, Coach, it really was just a full team effort, and it has been such a daunting stretch for you guys. And I love this past weekend and the victory, the way that you were able to utilize so many guys to get that final resort. You result, you had eight starters rotating in and out of the game. Was that more of just kind of a game plan approach, fatigue, or how? what was the idea and approach of rotating those players in and out? I think you're the only one who liked it. <laughs> <laughs> 
before the game, we got a lot of flack for that one. And uh, just, you know, I look at it, you know, a lot more holistically. And, and uh, it's very easy to say at face value, we changed eight guys and, and to go into all of that. But uh, if you went into each player's profile and you would see a Jake Nowinski has racked up 1,900 minutes throughout the season. Um, you know, uh, a lot of those starters, I think, accumulatively without Roman Berkey, uh, they had over 15,000 minutes of playing time together, right? So, um, yeah, people don't really get to see that. All they see is eight name changes from the game before. But, you know, we've we've interchanged and, and we've kind of had this hybrid system where we can plug in and play different players in different profiles and different positions. So, you know, credit to these guys. They stuck it out. Uh, you know, we got through to halftime exactly just like the game plan. Um, you know, we could have gone up with Celio Pompeo there, one versus one with the goalkeepers. Then Claire makes a good, a good save. Um, but again, the ability to bounce back, and this is what I've loved most about this team, the ability to bounce back, whether it's been in, in form, results or moments during games. Um, we've always found a way uh, to, to kind of bounce back and, you know, we've never been steamrolled, uh, you know, my feeling anyways. Uh, we haven't really been steamrolled, you know. So uh, credit to these guys. And then when you have the luxury of, of bringing in some key guys who have come back from injury like Klaus uh, or Eddie Leuven or, you know, get guys on the field that are gelling and clicking together uh, at a really high level, then it just makes, uh, you know, it makes my job look easy. Well, I know what I was saying with that is I know that some people might have liked it night I have liked it but still getting that result in the end I think says a lot about how you're building the system and how so many guys are able to buy in and so seeing that on display I thought was fantastic for you guys yeah thank you and that's what we've believed in from day one right so we've believed in the team approach the team first mentality and then the collective buy-in and uh, I think that was on full display the other night Coach, you all are uh, clinched the spot in the playoffs for this season. You all are trying to clinch the number one overall seat in the Western Conference. Is that something that you talk to the team about? Do you all have conversations about what that could potentially mean? Yeah, we've never really chased uh, history looking too far ahead of ourselves. We've always looked uh, short term, right? So the next game, the next three points, the next play in the game. So, you know, now that there's only four more games or three more games, you know, we kind of told the boys now, you know, we check these boxes, we've got the playoffs. Now the next box to check is home playoff match, right? So, uh, which means a top four finish. So once we check that box, um, we've just equaled, or, or you know, um, 16 wins in a season for an expansion team, you know? So uh, now that's, we have three games to set that record our own, right? So, which, you know, that's that's an incredible feat to the way with this team was forecast and projected to finish and to, to break those records and to accumulate all those accolades throughout the season. This is going to be one hell of a season regardless how we look at it. Um, but just thinking that we can set records and, and be the sole owners of a, of a lot of these things that, yeah, teams who've, who've tried it many times before have not have not succeeded. So, you know, I think this is a, a moment to cherish, but uh, we're not stopping anytime soon. Bradley Carnell, head coach of St. Louis City SC, with us on 101 ESPN. Sporting KC here at City Park next week. How have your players uh, taken to the rivalry? Obviously, the fans have bought into the, the rivalry with Kansas City, but how have your players taken to the rivalry with KC? Yeah, I mean... For sure, we, we try and, you know, for sure we want that rivalry to grow. For sure we want that rivalry to be edgy, for sure. And I think the way the last game went uh, in in Sporting KC down in Kansas, I think that's, that's starting to show signs of, you know, I think... Uh, both teams were at uh, different moments in form in the first game. So, I mean, the first game, you know, there was, if you based on performance, there was no rivalry, right? So, and then the second game, a really tight game, could have gone either way. 
um, they win the game, you know, but uh, I thought we gave as good as we got and, and were able to at least tie the game. We don't have a result or a decision go our way. So there were many moments in that game where we lost momentum through no fault of our own. So that felt like an edgy game. That felt like there was tension in the air and that felt like a rivalry game. Um, but something like this has to establish over time, right? So, and the more reps we get against Sporting KC, the more that rivalry can grow. So, you know, we have, we host them back at City Park and we know that's a different animal. It was really exciting to see Blom this past weekend. Offensively and defensively, I thought it was a great performance from him. And we talk a lot about chaos here, but how important is a player like Blom to bring in a sense of calm to the lineup? Well, he, he brings a sense of calm, but he brings a sense of chaos to you. You see the way he jumps on and pounces cat-like on balls, you know, like he just jumps and forward defends and, and intercepts plays, all right? So, um, and, and that's why, I, you know, use the, the cat analogy, like just jumping and playing around with a, a ball of wool or a ball of fur, right? So that's, that's like jobs. He's just on the pounce and, um, and then on the ball. Him and Edu Leuven have a unique, plus Indy Vasilev, I would say, um, have a unique ability between lines, under pressure, central, to get balls in tight spaces to turn and play forwards, right? So, and that's what we request of our, of, of our sixes, right, uh, holding midfielders. But then the ability to now squeeze the game, to the ability to connect your front line once the ball bypasses you. Um, and that's how he gets his chance top of the box, um, which is amazing. He had a good shot in the first half that gets blocked, goes out for a corner kick. I think that one could have broken it as well. Um, but then the ability to turn on his left, go on on his right, and then have the moment of pause and composure to, to find the upper 90. Um, and it just shows, you know, even, even the fans in South Africa are saying, we've never seen this from Jobs. So it just shows like, Jobs has grown in eight, nine months that he's been here. Um, and and we, we hold Jobs in, in high regard around here. So we're enjoying every single day with him. He's growing uh, to become a young, fine man um, and, and a true teammate as well. So, you know, uh, we're still early in his development here. Finally, Bradley Carnell, you mentioned all the minutes that so many of your players have played and you do uh, get them a little bit of rest during games. But with only three games left in the season, how, if at all, have you changed training as you get ready? Are you keeping guys off their feet a little bit more in training as well? Um, no, it just depends on the, the environment and the work uh, the workload. So if we go Sunday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, obviously the loads are really low and we're just trying to get uh, similar levels to the players who have not played or featured. Um, so then we'll have sometimes 10 guys on the training field, the other guys doing regen. So it's a lot of split group sessions and, and guys getting different, picking at different times or getting different loads to other players. Um, and then later on in the week, we're kind of getting level and then get them ready for match day. So um, it's, it's a lot of time management, a lot of uh, man management, and it's a lot of group management. So, you know, uh, I think we have an incredible staff here who do a good job. And, um, you know, we have a full trust in, in what we're doing here. And uh, that's that stood us good through the whole season. And, uh, yeah, we have one more tricky stretch now where, uh, you know, we go – um, home and then we go away Wednesday to Vancouver. So that's the that's the tricky one as well. So we'll have to see how we mitigate that. But there should be no worries about putting two good strong groups around you, if not the same group uh, come Wednesday. Thank you, sir. We always appreciate your time. Great to have you with us. Congratulations on the win over Minnesota and have a great week. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me over. You bet. Take care. That's Bradley Carnell, head coach of St. Louis City SC. He is great and obviously he's done just a fantastic job there's no reason to stop. This team is so confident right now, and they're they're really playing great. There's no reason to to change anything. No, no, Just and keep trying to win. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, what he was touching on earlier with, you know, being able to rotate some of those guys in and out. I know that some fans are not happy to see that, but playing three games in a stretch of eight days, I think coming away with a victory in that and that you were able to rotate eight players in and out, I think says a lot about how this system is something that a lot of the players are buying into and it's working for them. it's even more grueling, Brooke, if you play three matches. There you go. Exactly. Oh, man, the matches. the thing that has helped them is the injuries. I mean, you get injuries during the season where guys have to step up and play and now all of those guys are back healthy mm-hmm. it just made your team stronger because you're the old saying you're only strong as your weakest link you have guys that have had opportunities to play when when um, Klaus was out and, and guys were down injured so you have those guys that are prepared and, yep. and now everyone is, is playing at their best and Klaus will be in mid-season form when the playoffs start and hopefully we'll keep uh, St. Louis City SC at, atop the table uh, and uh, we'll just their kids in their kits, yeah. As they on, the pitch. Pitch. on the pitch. On the pitch. winning matches. Coming up, we've got our <laughs> Rush Hour reset here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're rehabbing the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour reset. It's 9.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, and officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us. The Cardinals off today in Milwaukee after a 12-2 thrashing at the hands of the San Diego Padres yesterday. Luke and Baker hit a home run, though. Nice. That was nice. Uh, nice CD Rom, no, he got burned. Okay. He, got, <laughs> he burned he the got CD. Burned. Yeah. Yeah. Just like back in the... In, well... You guys, did you guys burn CDs? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys burn Napster. CDs? Napster. Oh, I was a LimeWire gal. Okay. Just tearing up my parents' up computers. computers. Yes. I had, I had <laughs> takes days. I had something yeah. called BearShare, which was like, what? it was it was called BearShare, and it, it was LimeWire without as many viruses. I don't, I don't how did I miss that one? I, I don't know. I love the LimeWire. Yeah. Good times, so, Yeah. So the Somebody was on the phone uh, at the same hey, time. Hey. as like, hey, get off the phone. I'm on the internet. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Cardinals, if you aren't aware of it, they have clinched last place in their division. So no. No, we're not no, no, clapping no, no, no. for that. Well, they, they did accomplish that. Well, that's so, not, probably not the right word. The Cardinals <laughs> have six games left, and if they win all six, they would have 74 victories. The Pirates... Uh, would have to lose all six, but then the Pirates would win in a tiebreaker. Hmm. So the Cardinals are going to finish in last place for the first time since oh, 1990. This has been dreadful. It has it's been bad. Been awful. So let's move on from that. The Cardinals yeah. are going to wrap up their home season, by the way, this weekend against the Reds, and it's an homage to Adam Wainwright all weekend long. So that part of it will be good. We have a, we'll, uh, a bird watch next segment. Do yeah. We, do we? Is there anything? Might be some bird droppings there. Okay. Hmm. Might be. Yeah, yeah. Flying away. Yeah. Missouri comes away with a victory over... University of Memphis on Saturday night. You probably are already aware of that. 34-27. Uh, Illinois beats FAU. The final there over Florida Atlantic was 23-17. to And you just heard Bradley Carnell earlier. He and St. Louis City SC with a 2-1 win over Minnesota. And we were talking during the break how somebody that gets an expansion team needs to name it their city, Football United. <laughs> so, like, Sacramento gets a team. Yeah. 
and it's Sacramento FU. Yeah. Oh, FU. Okay. Yeah. Football mm-hmm. United. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be some together. issues. What's wrong with that? Uh, FU kind of stands for some other Football things. United. Football United. Football uh, United. Where, where are we? Huh. I think that acronym is that might the, mean is that something else. the same else? FU that I heard at the, K, at the Missouri game? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're singing that song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About they, KU? They, they like that. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday in the NFL, the Broncos... Uh, they didn't have, didn't have a good day at the office. 70 to 20. 70. <laughs> 10 touchdowns. The Dolphins beat the Broncos. It, it was just so bad. We were discussing it earlier. Where do the Broncos go from here for the rest of the season? Your defense is what it is. Obviously not good. Sean Payton with all these expectations coming in. And I know that you still believe that he will be able to turn things around. And that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the quarterback guru. I don't think Russell Wilson is the problem right now. No, they've got they've got a lot of issues. They there. have many issues. Yeah, and Russell Wilson did not look bad last week against the Commanders. This week, I mean, when you're you when you're down as much as they were down early, they were down thirty five to nothing, I believe, in mm-hmm. the first half. When you're down that much that early, it your game plan you you might as well take that paper, throw it up, rip it up, and throw it away. <laughs> there is yeah. no more game plan. I, I've been there. There's nothing mm-hmm. else you can look on that sheet. Everything that you planned for. You you got to change at that point. So yeah, I I think that is you know as much as we've been been excited about Sean Payton coming to, to Denver and correcting some things, it's not looking great for him. And no. you have to. It starts with the head coach. You, I won't put this solely on Russell Wilson. You have to start with the head coach. If you give up seventy points. In the NFL, Randy, when was the last time that happened? That was uh, 1951. I wasn't alive. <laughs> I wasn't either. I'm old. And so That's if you bad. are creating history in the wrong way for your football yeah. organization, you, sir, get you You can be mad as as you want to be at the reporters. You need to be using look yeah. in the mirror. Hey, I got to figure something yeah. out. Fortunately, it's not 13 games in. It's three games in. And well, he can it's 70 points, Randy. Well, it is. It, it is. And it was just so bad because we were talking about earlier, too, is just the, the way that the season going in, the things that he said. I know that he was doing some broadcasting stuff, the comments on Tua, how that, that didn't necessarily pan out. Mm-hmm. So just the soap opera of all this stuff coming to light. What he said about Hackett, too, right. and that going into this, and now you're 0-3 on the season. I will say, though, credit to Mike McDaniel and everything they're doing with the Dolphins right now. They are such an exciting team to watch. And we were talking about storylines. I love the Mike McDaniel storyline of he was born and raised in Colorado, Broncos fan, mm-hmm. and I think it was even like two seasons ago the Broncos, you know, didn't even interview him. And to me, I felt like he had that chip on his shoulder going into that one in that coaching matchup, at least. And his team, obviously, way, way better. Two is fantastic. It was exciting to see the Dolphins do that. Yeah. And uh, I, I just really wonder if the Broncos, this year's Broncos, can bounce back. Because in addition to not playing well, they just don't have many players. They're just... they. They suck. They're not good. No, no. It's so. uh, it, it, it it's intriguing. I mean, do they if they have the first pick, even with all the investment in Wilson, they have to take Williams, right, or a quarterback? Yeah, but what do you do with that money? Are you gonna just let him go? It. You you, you can't. Eat it. You no one's gonna trade for him with that salary. No, uh, you got to so, cut him. His career well, might be over. That's well, that's he's thirty four, thirty five. That's tough to hear. This is a guy yeah. that you know. Five years ago, we were talking about potential. Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. and just kind of falling off. You get the bad year. Seattle has a great year without you. You have a bad year in Denver. You get a new head coach. Hopefully, you you, you kind of blame Nathaniel Hackett for what mm-hmm. last year was. Yeah, 
And so you get a new head coach who has won a Super Bowl, who has coached an elite quarterback in Drew Brees, and it looks like this. And like I said, I can't put this game solely on Russell Wilson. No. That is a head coach issue, giving up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. And uh, after the game yesterday, Wilson was asked how bad this Broncos defense could be. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he, he, listen, I, I can't blame. How many times did they turn the ball over yesterday? Mr. Unlimited. Because I, I, yeah. I believe they had a few turnovers. I know they had Cortland Sutton fumbled once. Um, Russell had one interception. They turned the ball over yeah. a few times. Yeah, okay. uh, the, the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. Go Cardinals! Uh, how about them Cowboys? 28-16 <laughs> uh, Cardinals over the Cowboys. And Matt Gay set an NFL record. The Colts kicker had five field goals of 50 or more yards, or four field goals of 50 or more yards in one game, including the game winner over the Ravens. Snap good, hold good, kick on the way. And he's done it. Matt Gay splits the uprights at Indianapolis. Beats Baltimore in overtime, 22-19. So the Colts get a surprise victory. Yeah, it was. was. Without their starting quarterback. Right. And one other note, both in addition to the Dolphins win yesterday, 70-20 to over the Broncos, the Chiefs won big against the Bears, 41-10. to Both teams are sensational. Both teams have the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Both teams play in Germany on November 5th at 8.30 in the morning, only on NFL Network. 8.30 in the morning? <laughs> That's yeah. Oh, my God. That's, uh, your, your, your Dolphins-Chiefs game <laughs> is in Germany at 8.30 in the morning on November 5th. I'll be watching. Yeah, but that uh, uh, only on NFL Network, is that really the way you want to sell? I, no, I guess you don't care about the selling way. the NFL in Probably not America. the way they want it to go, but, you no. know, that's going to be... <laughs> Will it be a shootout? It probably... I don't know the. I mean, Miami looks like the real deal. Good. Yes, yeah. they 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 do, and but they the, they has his defense playing. So yeah, but I, I I've all, I always I'm an offensive guy, so I yeah. always feel like good offense, no matter what you, especially with the amount well, of weapons that they have. Rules. Yeah, that too. It's <laughs> definitely in the offense. Did you see the the dang on roughing the passer uh, penalty that Minka Fitzpatrick got? Yeah, I'm so sick of the NFL. Yeah, me and too. these soft, Believe me. soft rules that they have established. Yeah, they have. That man got tackled and they threw a flag. It's ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> uh, there's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got bird droppings for you. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive. Cardinals off today in Milwaukee. They'll take on the Brewers tomorrow night. And then Wednesday and then Thursday afternoon before coming home to wrap up the season against the Reds at the ballpark this weekend. And it'll be thank you, Adam Wainwright, weekend for the Redbirds. It's time now for a Monday version of Birdwatch here on 101 ESPN. Anybody going to do Birdwatch? Mm, no. Okay. More of a bird dropping, okay. I think. So I'll start us off. Guys, Nolan Arenado 
dealing with a back injury. I'll oh, pause. How long have you said that? Yeah, about a week back. Yeah, it seems like this has been bothering him for even longer than a week back because he uh, went on the injured list, and it's something that you could tell has been hampering him. I think all season, I know, CD, you touched on this early on the season, but you could notice it even more so towards the end here. Did you guys notice it when it was running? When he was running, it seemed like he was in pain a lot more. At times mm-hmm. he was making plays, you could tell that his back was injured and there was something more going on there. So I think it was a great decision for them to shut him down for the rest of the season. Oliver Mall talked a lot about it this weekend and that you know that it has to be something serious with Nolan when Nolan is the one that approaches you saying, okay, I think it's time for me to go to the injured list. And especially if you look in his final 26 games of the season, did not homer. And he in the first half of the season, he was hitting 283 with 19 home runs, 62 RBI and an OPS of 850. But if you looked at his production in the second half of the season, dipped to 241 is what he was hitting. Seven home runs, 30 31 RBI and OPS of 663 and or 663 excuse me in the second half so you could tell that that was really starting to hamper him more and more so towards the end so hopefully shutting him down he'll be able to get better and this won't be a lingering issue for him but as you guys know with the age factor coming in I think that's always a cause for concern absolutely yeah and if you have a, a a bad back if you have a weak back only for just a week back uh it it, it can be really bad for your team so yeah it could be especially when you owe a bunch of money for a lot of years well i I, that's the thing about that's the thing about those back injuries as i said earlier earlier in the season i thought he was dealing with that for a majority part of the season It, it just looks like it's in pain it has been in pain they don't get better especially if you continue to play and do the same amount of work that you've been doing all season long. It's not going to get better and probably is at his breaking point. The team is not going to the playoffs, obviously. They're not a really good team this year. So he finally probably had to save himself from himself. Um, but that's, you know, that that should be the, the, the training staff, the coaches. Everyone should be tuned in and watching and seeing, hey, if this is hurting, we got to figure out how to get it better so that we don't go into the offseason season with lingering pain and have to start off next season potentially uh, in pain as well. Yeah, so that's Nolan Arnauto with Mac issues. Nolan Gorman as well. Is there somebody else that I'm missing that's been dealing with it for about a week back now, the the back issues? Uh, I think we had a few. Matt's is a uh, lat injury. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, I think. It's close to the back. Yeah. (laughs) The Nolans, that that is definitely concerning. Hopefully shutting it down will help for next season. If if your first name is Nolan and your back hurts right now, text in to uh, the (laughs) Air Comfort Service sex line. Just tell us if this is a name thing. Yeah. Hmm. So my bird splat is, do you all have an issue with the Cardinals bringing up players who are Let's say well-traveled, not much experience uh, in the majors. Yeah. Playing. No, no not in, now. Well, in general, because, <laughs> the reason why I ask is because wouldn't you rather have a younger player gaining that experience? Are we taking more shots at Taylor Motter here? Uh, this oh. is not Taylor Motter. Taylor Motter isn't on the roster right okay. now, last I checked. But Casey Lawrence is. C-Law, yeah. Siani uh, mm-hmm. is. Caracuto. Irving, who I didn't even know who he, he was until. Is that first name or last name? Irving. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Where's like, he from? Berlin? Irving Lopez. It okay, is his first yeah. name. Irv. 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 Thank Irv. you, Matthew, for getting that one. Oh my yeah. God. 
So, I mean, you had you, you we talked about Wilking Rodriguez, mm-hmm. guys. Do do you see a theme? I do. Of of guys that maybe haven't played much throughout their entire career. But we've got a really smart organization, CD. That doesn't seem very smart. We're seeing what seems smart to me would be having younger players, new, younger in there. And again, I was a, a journeyman. I, I get it. I, I played on multiple teams. I have nothing but the most admiration for a man that is willing to plug his way through for multiple years with no guarantee that you're going to make a club, that you're going to make a team. I, I salute you. I do. But as, a, or as an organization, you can have one or two of those guys. You shouldn't have eight to ten of them rotating throughout your roster the entire season. And the Cardinals have had uh, maybe six to eight of them. Maybe they're looking for market inefficiencies. Maybe they're finding something that other teams just are missing out on. What type of (laughs) analytics are they doing? Uh, The old old father time analytics? I don't know. I think that that's a very fair point, CD, because my biggest thing is I would like to see the younger players get a chance because you have to figure out so much going into next season. Why not give guys a chance? Why not give Moises Gomez a chance? There's so many players I can think. Gordon Graceffo. I mean, some of these guys to bring up, and I know that it's a roster number thing. It doesn't have to be is is what I don't understand, especially on the pitching side. You have to figure out what you have going into next season. And I'm, I'm not saying that Gord Graceffo or Michael McGreevy are ready to go for next season, but why not just go ahead and start getting them some reps so you're not going to continue to be in the same position that you were going to this year depth-wise? Fair enough. Splat, splat. Splat, splat. Wait, we can do splat, splat. Uh, Brooke. We, we don't need to go with young pitchers. There's there's pitchers out there that the Cardinals can get. Let me just give you some names. of okay. Because Mo has made it clear that the Cardinals need three starting pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's this kid. You know, Colorado is not great this year. They're 56 and 99. They're 56 and 99. They're 66, 76, 86, 90. They're 43 games under 500. They have a pitcher that is at 500. Their team is 43 games under. They have a pitcher that's 9-9. Nine and nine. This, they they got to go get this kid. His name is Austin Gomber. I don't know oh, if you ever heard him. He was no. a 5.5 ERA. <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to stop there. Well, they, they, he, he, was, he was here. Oh, well, so, so here, okay, I'll give you another new name, CD. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, this kid named Zach Gallen. He's oh, with Arizona. Right, right, 17 yeah. with a 3.49. They, 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 traded, they traded him away. Oh. Uh, they, they but, him. Okay, uh, uh, I, I apologize. Okay. You need a new name. You yeah. guys want people Somebody that you that, don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. There's this kid in San Diego named Michael Walk who's now 13 and 4 <laughs> with a 3.39. I, 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 I hate to hate to burst your bubble. He was actually a Cardinals pitcher as well. Really? Yeah, he was he was on the roster. He actually oh, pitched okay. pitch really well. Okay. Well, uh, then let me give you a new uh, a, a new name. This guy uh with the Dodgers. He's 6 and 2 with a 4.4 uh, ERA with the Dodgers. His name is Lance Lynn. Randy. Lance no, no, Lynn no, 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 is a guy. He, he was he was he was a Cardinal. Oh, oh all right, I apologize. I apologize. There's this guy with the Rangers. Rangers going to the playoffs. This guy with the the Rangers named um, he's four and two with a two point nine two. His name is Jordan Montgomery. New guy. He was here. He was here this year, and the Cardinals thought that he wasn't going to. They 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 decided to be sellers. At the okay. Deadline. Well, okay. Then here's what they need to do. Because sometimes you got to roll the dice on a guy that's hurt and hope. They did it with Chris Carpenter. Remember where Chris Carpenter was hurt, and then they brought him in. And he was, so there's this kid in Miami named Sandy Alcantara. Randy, 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 Randy. He, uh, he was also traded a while back as well. They, they, they got an outfielder that climbed walls for him. That oh. was like 
12 feet short of what so, the ball was. So, so the Cardinals are looking for, <laughs> the Cardinals the are looking for a bunch ever. of new starting pitchers, but it's, it's 12 of them on the roster. We have these guys. Every, every one of them. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> they were all here. We hey. got the bats, though, baby. We got the bats. It, it's like you're saying. Maybe <laughs> developing some of the pitching is not an issue because they, they seem to go fine you know, elsewhere. I don't know. What does that say about the organization more? And they're flourishing elsewhere. Jordan Hicks doing great. We got bats, baby. We got bats. We got bats, baby. St. Louis, what you get? We got bats, baby. You just have to outslug every single opponent on a consistent basis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Offensively, no, you don't need pitching, right? You're trying to do. You don't win with pitching. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do? You do? You do. Okay. I think it matters uh, in this sport. That's the bird droppings <laughs> on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Could Mizzou be a contender for the SEC East? Oh, my. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Saturday night, Mizzou's victory over Memphis 34-27 propels them into the top 25 right now. The Tigers are number 23 in the country. They have Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt on Saturday, and the Tigers have been known to slip up over the years. You would hope that Eli Drinkwitz's squad will be able to handle Vanderbilt, and then they run into a gauntlet. They play LSU on October 7th. That's a home game. If you're 5-0 and heading into that game, and LSU certainly hasn't been world beaters so far, took a last-second field goal to beat Arkansas on Saturday night. LSU, if you look at their schedule, appears to be beatable. Kentucky is 4-0. That'll be another tough one for the Tigers. And then they always have that tough one against South Carolina. South Carolina is always tough. And then after South Carolina, you take on Georgia, number one team in the country, Tennessee, 21st ranked team in the country, and Florida, 22nd ranked team in the country. But right now, the best non-conference win in the SEC East is Missouri's victory over Kansas State. And I think Missouri does have a chance to do some good things. Do I think they're going to be able to win this conference or the division? No, but I think that they can be a contender for uh, a New Year's Six bowl game if they can if they can get by LSU. That's going to be the, their big game. They they have a chance to be a team that, with a loss to Georgia, could play in a New Year's uh, bowl game. Yeah, is there one of these teams that are coming up and looking past Vanderbilt Vanderbilt for obvious reasons, but LSU, and then you have Kentucky, but even that Georgia game and Tennessee game, a Florida game, is there one of those that you guys think that they can come away maybe with a shocking victory? I think they could beat Florida at home. I don't think the Gators are that great. And by the way, they're number 22. Mizzou's number 23. Mm-hmm. The way Missouri has performed against Tennessee so far, you wouldn't think so, although this is a different Tennessee team. This is a very different Tennessee than team. Than the one that Josh Heupel has had in his first couple of years. And Georgia's just going to be awesome. They're always number one or two in recruiting. And even though they lose a lot of people, they lost their quarterback, they lost their running back, their defense has turned over almost 100% in the last couple of years, and they sent pretty much everybody to the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're still (laughs) awesome. And 
Georgia should not lose a game. Uh, they shouldn't. Um, as far as when you're looking at the the Mizzou Tigers and what they've done, they, they are the only team in the SEC that hasn't played an SEC game yet. This mm-hmm. will be their first one uh, going into this weekend versus Vanderbilt. So that, that may, may be a little bit interesting and concerning. I don't know that this team, LSU is going to be a tough task um, playing LSU in a couple of weeks. Going to Kentucky is going to be a tough one. Going to yep. Georgia, obviously. Tennessee, I think, is a really good team. And you talked about um, um, one of the best wins for the SEC in Mizzou beating Kansas State. Florida beating Tennessee a couple of weeks ago was a really good win for them as well. Yeah, I'm just talking about non-conference. Non-conference, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that was a really good win. It's going to be hard, and I'm probably going to sound like a hater, a Mizzou hater, which (laughs) I'm not. I'm just a realist. If this was, if I looked at Illinois playing this schedule, mm-hmm. I would feel very thrilled about what's at what's in front of me. Vanderbilt should be a win. If they struggle at Vandy with Vandy, that'll give you a a, a telltale sign of what this yep. team really is and truly is. Um, they should beat Vanderbilt. They should be five and zero going into LSU. But after that point, I don't know where they get the next win from. Maybe at South Carolina versus South Carolina at home. They always play them tough. I think Kentucky on the road is going to be a really challenging uh, matchup for them. So they always are. Yeah, it is. I mean, it will be it will be interesting. This start, though, f- to give Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz and them all the credit in the world. This is a start that you needed to for them to get off to to even have this conversation that we're having right now about if they could contend in the SEC East. I do think offensively, I like the progressions that they have made. Is there any concern that you guys have about Brady Cook and his health moving forward? I know that he obviously played through and that's fantastic. But are you guys concerned about that at all? I think it has to be a concern. Because now you've had two weeks in a row where he's been banged up. and Especially it, as you get into this SEC there schedule. There you go, right? Yes. Once you start getting into the SEC, then you have uh, much more physical play and, and more physical defense. The other problem that Mizzou they, has to deal with, they have to clean up a couple of things. Number one, yes. you can't turn the ball over, especially uh, at your own 10-yard line. But you have to have the confidence when you're an SEC team. In my opinion, if you're an SEC team playing against Memphis or an FCS team, you should be able to line up and pick up a yard and not even think about throwing the ball. And that led to, when they failed on that fourth down the other night, Mm -hmm. that led to Memphis coming back down the field and making it a game. And you have to have the ability to play smash mouth football in this conference. And you have to have not only the ability, but then the guts to call it. And they didn't the other night. To me, that looked, I mean, watching them play Saturday, they looked like a really good team for the team that they were playing. Mm -hmm. Now, when they play, because they bullied Memphis up front. They were able to run that zone, that outside zone. They were running the ball down Memphis's throat at will when they wanted to, how they wanted to. They were able to get that against uh, uh, an SEC team, an SEC front seven. I don't know that that takes place in that manner. Now, if it does, hats off to them, but... They were able to get what they wanted to get against Memphis because Memphis isn't as big or as strong up front. I think when they play against other SEC teams, it'll be a little bit different. And you're going to have to find an alternative because the the cream of the SEC is going to find a way to slow down Luther Burden. As great as yes. he is, you're going to have thing. to find an alternative to Luther Burden providing all of your offense. Yes, and Luther has been fantastic too. And I think there has been you know some progression offensively with some of the play calling that you've seen more 
at times aggressive play calling that you were wanting to see from Kirby Moore and Eli Drinkwitz in those first two games of the season. And hopefully they will be able to continue that. But like I said, my biggest thing, I think Cook has been, you know, great this season. My concern is health wise, what that will look like as we get into this daunting part of that SEC schedule. Because as you said, CD, just being a realist, that is uh, scary when you when you look at that. He looked he looked pretty healthy. Uh, Saturday, even though, you know, I know he had the knee injury, the hyperextended knee uh, the week before. He looked pretty healthy going in, in that game. He looked okay. I don't I don't think that'll be an issue. I just think, as Randy said, when you have Luther Burden with 10 catches and then yeah. the next receiver has three, that's the problem because mm-hmm. teams are going to say, okay, <laughs> throw it to somebody else. Right. We know he's dynamic. That that's, We're going to take that away from you. Who else on that offense is going to be able to make a play? The running backs, I thought, did a really good job. Schrader and, and Pete did outstanding mm-hmm. running the football. Like I said, with that offensive line, they're going to have to find other playmakers because as they get into the conference play, teams are going to know that Luther Burden is the one to uh, to make sure he doesn't get off. Tigers at Vandy on Saturday, and uh, you can't overlook Vandy because they are an SEC team. And you win that one, then you're five and zero against LSU, and you just have fun. That game apparently is already sold out. I heard the mm. the LSU game, so it'll be a good big crowd at Faroe Field. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for rock and roll as we head down the stretch of this edition of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Balloon Party coming up. Matthew, what do you got for us? All right. We had we have a couple NFL topics that we talked about earlier today that I just we have to rehit because they're so important. And that, of course, is what did Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid think about the special <laughs> guest at last night's game? Yeah, I mean, she's a tremendous. I mean, she's a pop star. She's a tremendous singer, tremendous at everything she does. And I haven't got to meet her. Um, but I mean, I guess if, it's, if she ends up being with Travis, then I'll probably get to meet her at some point. So uh, it seems like a good seems like a good person. So uh, hopefully, I get to meet her one day. You know what? I've met her before. <laughs> Adam, I set him up. I just leave you with it. <laughs> Anna Reed's my favorite oh, person God. in the NFL, and it's not even close. Just I, I set him up. You guys didn't know that. Listen. Come on now. I don't think that they are together. I think they're just friends. They drove off in the drop top. What it was that romantic. Have to do it was with? romantic. Because it looked like they were shooting a rom-com, Carrie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, so you think I it's think, a publicity stunt? I mean, they could be friends. I don't think that they are together. I think mm. it's good for both of their careers mm-hmm. if they are thought to be together. And then if they're not, if they're just friends, that's fine. I would say this. How long have they been rumored to be dating? Two weeks uh, now? It's been like quick. Is it only been two it was, weeks? No, because it was at the. Well, he gave weeks. her something at the concert in August, right? Yeah. In or he wanted to, or something like that. Yeah. It seems like this has and been like an ongoing. So about day. a month. It was already going when he came out on the field after week one with the knee brace and did the twerk, and everyone was like, "Oh, this." So this is this is her her new guy. That's like the, the Taylor Swifties found it. So so yeah, but since I would say right yeah, around I would okay. say right around week one of the season is when it happened. It's yeah. I, I would say. Come yeah, on, two three weeks. Come on, what? maybe maybe Come there's on. been she some stuff so behind the scenes so too. It could be. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, full on. Those crazy you you kids. are you are yeah. just go ahead. I, I, maybe I'm the negative Nancy on this one. You this don't is surprising see it? though, right? Because normally you are uh, you are the one that is um, 
the negative one. I love love, Carrie. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Or whatever this you is. You do? Or whatever I, this is? This is obviously a, say so. um, you know, big time pop star relationship. I was telling you guys earlier and take it or leave it. I think that this is the biggest one when you're talking about a player still playing and at a peak and a pop star at their peak. This is the biggest one, I believe, since Derek Jeter and Mariah Carey. It's a pretty big time. Possibly. Yep. Yes, possibly. It's it's interesting. There's a, there's a lot of stories coming out of it. A lot of Swifties super excited. Yeah, it, it is a, you know, I just, I, I have to wait a while for it for it to be true. For <laughs> it to be found true. For you to buy in. Yeah, give me, give me three right. months, six months in, then we'll talk about Carrie, it. Carrie, you want something? 636, there you go. Who the hell cares? I'm with you. All right. <laughs> God. It's it was, it's, and they've literally, it's still on TV right now. They've yeah. been talking about they it on every the hell single cares. show. Everyone who, like every not casual everyone. football fan not everyone. Who's, who's not like a diehard football fan and like found another way to get involved in this game because they were watching it last night. Not like, everyone. This, this brought people, like people were caring. Yeah. Who don't were usually they? care about football is all I'm saying. Did they? Yes, they did. Are you trust sure me. about that? Dude, trust well, me. Well, listen, it's you might Swifties, see the wrong Swifties are, all Swifties are. If you care, you might be right. Swifties are. <laughs> you, you, because you don't care about Usually, much. yeah, me? usually no. the, he's so the Debbie you, you Downer. Might be the, you might be the, 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 yeah, you might have a point there. It's, I'm saying, just, I don't care. I cared more about what was going on on the field and watching Justin Fields That's you. stink up the joint. That's you. To that me, was that was frustrating more interesting me. seeing Taylor Swift than Justin yeah. Fields and the Bears just absolutely People show up the games all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. fine, Carrie. You want something a little bit more concrete? I'll give you something Come a little on. bit more concrete from this last week of football. This is from Optostats on Twitter slash X. Since the two-point conversion was adopted in 1994, the Raiders are the only NFL team to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when down by exactly eight points with less than five yards to go for a first down. So the first team ever, Carrie, in down. 30 years. It was fourth down. They it, they tried to score. Obviously, they didn't get in. I didn't have a problem with it because, and I, I would assume that doesn't count playoffs because I think the 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 um, Packers did the same thing a couple of they years did. ago. Yep. So it could, can't include the playoffs because the Packers did the same thing against the Buccaneers when they should have tried to score. That was a different situation. You were facing Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Buccaneers. You were facing Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. They they aren't a juggernaut offensively. I didn't have a problem with it. I think you get a stop there. They weren't showing a lot of life offensively. The Steelers weren't. So I didn't have a problem with you kicking the field goal. Three-plus minutes left. All of your timeouts, two-minute warning. You got a chance to stop them, get the ball back, and now you can win the game as opposed to tying the game. I looked at it a little bit differently. Didn't matter what they did. They weren't going to win. Well, the Raiders just aren't good enough to do uh, Maybe not. The Steelers' defense is really good. Yeah. That's, that's you know, that isn't that is part of that. By the way... If I'm trying a two-point conversion, and I am the Oakland Raiders, or Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, whoever I am. <laughs> whoever you are. <laughs> I'm throwing this. I'm just, I'm staring at 17 and throwing the ball to 17. Yeah. That's really, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen. Yeah. Hunter Renfro is no longer, he's on the roster, but he's a missing man ever <laughs> since Devontae Adams got there. Devontae Adams probably had like almost 20 targets last night. Yeah, yeah. And he <laughs> should have more. <laughs> Throw the ball to him. Yeah. He's pretty yep. dang on good. Him and Myers, you can't go wrong with it. And last piece of information, by the way, guys, um, the betting slip not doing too badly, but this was our worst week. We went, we started the first week we went five and one. Second week we went three and three. This week we went two three and one. Eey. But 
But so we were 10, 7, and 1 th- across 18 bets across three weeks. But here's the thing two of those 10 wins have been plus 250 plus bets oh, on yeah. City. And so in the money, we are up a little bit more than just being 10, 7, and 1. Because again, we got P- City plus 260 for a draw in week one, and we got City plus 280 for a win against <laughs> Minnesota United FC. So. Betting slip's not doing too badly. Uh, CD, are, are where's our, uh, where's our cash at? Where's our cash I'm, I'm at? A little, I'm a little light over here, Matthew. The <laughs> <laughs> money we put in, where, yeah, where is, the is it coming back, sir? <laughs> Rock, I gave you five hundred dollars. <laughs> where is that? Great job, by our producer, audio engineer, and apparent thief, Matthew Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a thief. I will not have that said about me on the air. Pleasure. <laughs> Uh, Brooke, fun I was Monday. Wondering why he was bawling on the casinos no! this weekend. How about yeah. that? How about that? Slander. Uh, CD, congratulations on the Hawks' victory. Show your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? I can show my face again. There we <laughs> there go. There you go. Hey, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.